Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area. Your daily show prep begins now. It is one minute and 15 seconds after the hour of five, and this is the month of June in the year of our Lord, 2009. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of Rock 101 KUFO in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. All right, I swear to God, here's what happens. Five seconds ago, we started the show. Ten seconds ago, Tim just revealed something else about the strange case of Michael Jackson. Now, do we know that that's uh, that's true, or is that just, is that alleged? That's what his ex-wife says. His ex-wife, Debbie Rowe? Yes. All right. All right, so... Well, an exciting revelation about Michael Jackson just uh, just claims, quote, I was just the vessel, unquote. (laughs) Okay. She got paid for it and moved on. I don't want to think about Debbie Rowe being a vessel. She's a weird-looking... Look... I don't mean to be lookist uh, about uh, things, but she is the very definition of... She's a plain woman, let's put it that way. She's uh, Sometimes you'll hear a woman described as handsome or mannish. She's not even really that. She's just she's just flat-out homely. And look, I understand that there's somebody for everybody, apparently, even if it's in the most artificial and circuitous of, of ways. But All right. Uh, it's uh, 503-228-4101 if you would like to join us today, telephonically speaking. It's 503-228-4101. You can also text to be like at 520 5151 uh, You can email. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah with an H at K-U-F-O.com. Tim at com. Uh Coming up later on the day, CNN Radio correspondent James Roop will join us from... In Los Angeles, where things just... I mean, as fast as the Michael Jackson estate seemed to be falling apart while that guy was alive, it's like, man, it's, it's, it's some sort of a geometric progression now that he's dead. Did you read that autopsy report? I have it was in the It was in the Daily Mail. Um, was talking about that? Let's see. I have it here somewhere. Jesus, I remember Saturday morning I picked up the paper, and I was looking... No, it was the sun, which is now in the post. Well, it's Rupert Murdoch. So Murdoch's papers are really coming through this time. So I guess it was the well they had they can pay the best sources, Tim. I think they say this is their big chance to sort of uh, to usurp uh, the TMZs of the world. So uh, the Sun had the autopsy report. The Daily Mail had that report from the guy who I guess had been tracking sort of the last months of of Jackson and that he w- he would dressed as a scraggly woman go to rat infested motels and uh, have sex with construction workers. Yes. <laughs> Good morning. I love that, too. Morning, Sarah. How are you today? I, I spent the whole weekend <laughs> wallowing, w- just working constantly yeah. to try to Wait, keep Mike- up with this stuff. <laughs> Michael I- Jackson would dress like a woman? It's yes. like bailing out the ocean with a thimble. They go to motels and have sex with a, a construction worker. Yeah. Okay, that's kind of Allegedly. Amazing. Also, he was completely bald and his face was covered with scars. Yes. Win. There you go. That that was me too. Is it every single time I I tried to get away from the computer or I tried to get away from the television or I thought I would just relax and have a few moments of leisure to myself, it would just be some other hideous piece of information released about Michael Jackson. I'd have to sit down and start writing things again. 
right. Just read and read. I don't believe this. <laughs> no. Then it just, it just con- comes some more. Just continue to pour forth like the River Ganges. I'm going to have to change these printer cartridges several times this weekend. <laughs> That's ex- that was that was my entire weekend right there. Just doing nothing but reading and collating and editing and filing and processing and sorting Michael Jackson uh, news. Oh, and then I took some time out on Saturday to go see Rent. So there you go. So that was my. Oh, how was that? Ew, why? Because I enjoy culture in all its many forms, Sarah. <laughs> because uh, because it got me out of going to something with Lara uh, earlier in the month. So it was a little bit of a. It ended up, it was. It was not. It's not like it was a bad experience. But I'm saying. But my initial motivation for going to see, going to see it was that it was a trade off for not going to something that she wanted me to go to a few weeks ago. Did so, it have two members of the original cast? It did. Um, the uh, the guy who played Mark and the guy who played Roger were part of the original Broadway cast from 1996 or 95 or or whenever that was, and still quite spry uh, for their advanced age. I should say. So all right. Well, they're like 30 now. They, yes, they. Yes, they are. The I think what's his name. The Anthony Rap guy that plays uh, Mark, I think he is tw- he is thirty eight, I believe. Uh, and I don't know how. And the other guy, the other guy, I think had missed some shows because he had like he had a slip disc or whatever. He had a, he pulled something in his back, but he, I think he had just returned uh, for this for this show. And here's the thing about going to see. I'll talk more about it here in a bit. But the thing about going to see Rent is that you realize. I mean, look, I'm I'm kind of a big drama nerd in some ways, but you do realize how there's this. In many, there are these sort of uh, um, these cultural phenomena that you're not necessarily following, sort of like uh, I don't know, like Rocky Horror or something. Because we went to see it, and there were no lie, there were people in sleeping bags outside the Keller who I think had just been camping out there trying to get in or something. What? And so I was looking it up on, on Wikipedia. Oh, uh, people have been known to sleep there and they put up signs saying, no more sleeping here. That's the thing. So apparently there is there, there is this whole uh, kind of subculture inside the theater subculture of people who just follow the musical Rent, a Rent which sounds like I'm making it up. Like It sounds like a joke. Uh, but they're sort of the Rent equivalent of, of Deadheads. And they just kind of follow it around everywhere. So anyway. Well, you know, in, in the play itself, they were very lucky that the landlord was so lenient to them to live in that place for like a year without paying. <laughs> well, that was the first thing that hit me. Well, that was... I mean, it has to. there has to be an end to it at some point. <laughs> it's not a welfare state, Tim. Right. Well... I'm glad you brought that up. I don't want to get bogged down in an endless well, that discussion. that was my main criticism about the story. Musical rent right at the beginning of the show. Here on Rock 101 KUFO. But, I um, mean, New York real I, estate is valuable. <laughs> Check the rents of the New York Times. You're living in a place for nothing and doing drugs, and the landlord's letting you get away with it for a year, and finally you can't do this anymore. Well, you can't stand around a parade and write songs about it. You have to move. <laughs> or get a job, hippie. Uh I mean, I'm glad you said that actually not because that I, I was. I don't enjoy the the uh, play. No, I, I mean, it's not very practical. That what was they're singing about. See, that was that was my thing actually. Since we're just sort of leaping headlong into it, that was my deal. Is I was sitting there wondering. So I'm watching Rent uh, with Lara on Saturday, and I'm thinking, what, part of me is sort of just enjoying the play for its own aesthetic sensibility, and it's, uh, you know, as an artistic achievement and a slice of American theater culture, uh, which I quite enjoy sometimes. But then the other part of me is wondering. I mean, they're living like in the in the penthouse of uh, of, of a New York City building, rent free for it's a whole huge. year. I mean, really, I I mean, the living room itself is bigger than most New York. Wait, why is it called rent if they don't pay rent? Well, that's that a, good a good question, question Sarah. Actually, I don't really know that, that was, there's that any was sort one of one of my questions. <laughs> Thank you for bringing for that. that up. It should be called no rent. But then at the end, 
But, but the, then the whole crux is that they're all pissed off that they only get to live there free for a year. Yeah. That at the end of a year, the landlord's like, so Look, you're starting I, to see things my way now, I know, aren't you? I know you've been living here rent free for a year, but really, I got to rent this to some people with money. So you're going to have to move out, uh, you know, the, the artist the freeloaders. And then they got. I mean, it's, it's like five thousand square feet, but the average New Yorker lives in an elevator shaft. They're, they're living in this huge place. And so then, part of me is thinking, "Am I a huge sellout?" Uh, I was wondering if I had somehow become the man. Well, no, nobody ever criticizes it. Uh, nobody ever gave me free, uh, you know, the free place to live for a year. Screw them. I'm glad you're coming around. <laughs> Hello, Sarah. How was your weekend? Wow, not as boisterous as yours. So Tim and I can. I can this is this will be the, uh, well, the segment. I, I that think the, about this all the time. <laughs> how much that bugs me. <laughs> Uh, why don't you write a musical about working for a living, huh? <laughs> All right. Um, no, it was fun. I spent the weekend at the pool, and then I saw a couple bands play and went to a bike festival and enjoyed the sunshine. Is that the thing where they do the bike jousting? Yeah, they had bike jousting, and it was like all these freaky like Alberta Street clown house people who were all dressed as clowns like on unicycles. Like, so there's something unnerving about dirty adults dressed like clowns. By the way, you're not allowed to make fun of me for going to see Rent if you're spending time with people from Alberta dressed like clowns riding oh, no, unicycles. I was spending time with them. I was just watching the freak show. I did not partake in the freak we show. We drove by that thing. We didn't go to it, but we, dro- we drove by the bike festival in our car uh, this weekend on our way to that uh, place on Alberta that just sells nothing but grilled cheese sandwiches. Oh, the grilled oh. cheese grill? Yeah, which was uh, which is quite, uh, quite great. They make this. Told they, they make a variation on one of my favorite sandwiches, uh, which is uh, green apple brie cheese and and, uh, and applewood bacon. Awesome. I'm a big fan of that. No, when I went there, I had the uh, grilled cheese with the tomato and the fresh avocado. No, it's, uh, it's quite something. <laughs> All right. Well, in any event. I uh, went to a picnic in Washington Park, which was nice. What an odd, disparate weekend we all had. <laughs> uh, well, we're, oh, well, let's do this. What are the uh, headlines that we're uh, following on this Monday morning, Tim? Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson. Awesome. All right. And well, uh, there are a few things that went on here locally. Well, let's do this. Uh, we'll get caught up straight ahead. We will have uh, an overview of all things Jacksonian and rent. Uh, this morning and more rent discussion. Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian will be here later on to talk about uh, uh, the weekend box office. $201 million for Transformers. Because people are really smart, Tim. It's all, a new gun with a wind. All, <laughs> also, Billy Mays is dead. And, yeah, I guess 50 is the new 80, huh? I wish people would people quit can't, People dying. can't live past 50 anymore. He says ominously. All right, uh, that's on the way. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Monday morning. We are live in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. This is the Rick Emerson Show. Not only is a killer, he was trolling for homosexuality online. Listen online, live, or via podcast at KUFO.com. Good morning to you. It is Monday from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. Coming up later on today, CNN Radio correspondent James Roop will join us from Los Angeles to give us the latest in the uh, Michael Jackson case. Uh, Amanda Moyer will join us from uh, the CNN Radio Center in Atlanta as we uh, talk about South Carolina governor, who I guess is not going to quit. I guess he, he said that he considered it, but then decided against it. So he'll be around to provide us some amusement for... Uh, for although I saw a picture of the woman from uh, Argentina uh, today. She's uh, 
Yeah, she's something of a dish. I don't know that she's necessarily. I don't really know that she's worth like losing your your governorship over. But you know, what? Do I, perhaps there's more to her than maybe me that's the, the best a governor of South Carolina could do. <laughs> yes, I suppose. Um, he's working his way up the. Uh, I mean, it's not a major state. Chain. No, it's it's really not. A, sort of a, a tertiary governor at uh, at best. All right, it's five zero three two two eight four one zero one at the news desk. Your personal savior, Tim Riley. <laughs> In the news with Tim Riley. 521, good morning. It's going to be a nice sunny week so far. High temperatures will be near 80. Three people are wounded in a Portland drive-by over the weekend. Occupants of a car opened fire on two men and a woman near Southeast 160th at 3 in the morning. Everybody expected to survive. One man is dead following a motorcycle crash at East Burnside. The driver was wearing a helmet when he hit a tree in the 4200 block of East Burnside at 520 yesterday morning. A man who fell breaking a leg has been rescued from Mount Hood. 27-year-old Christopher Haskins fell near Sandy Glacier and had to be taken away by a helicopter. Now, yesterday's, this kind of came up as a surprise yesterday. The BET Awards focused mostly on Michael Jackson. Um, And the most exciting interview was Don Lemons, who's from CNN, interview with Joe Jackson. Who I thought was dead, by the way. So here he is, wearing an earring. And right in the middle of this interview, where he's supposed to, well, be very sorrowful, he decides to promote uh, one of his friends and his Blu-ray disc project. Excellent. Good for you, Joe Jackson. So so they're done with the lawyer making a statement, and then Joe Jackson grabs his friend in the the Blu-ray project and puts him on the television. So here he is. Do you guys have any, do you know anything, Mr. Jackson, about funeral arrangements? Have you had time? Uh, yeah, we haven't gotten to that yet. Yeah, to but that. we're working on that. Yeah. This is Marsha. Yeah, you. I want to yeah, Thank go. you. How is, uh, you said your wife is, how, what about Janet and the rest of the family, the daughters and everything? They're all doing fine. But I want to make this statement. This is a real good statement here. Marsha and I, have they, we own the record company called... Ranch Records. Okay, it's driven by Blu-ray technology. And that's his next step. And that's your next step. There there had been, uh, talk to us about the the 60th, your 60th uh, wedding anniversary. As I understand, in Las Vegas a couple weeks ago, the entire family was there. And Michael said that he had wanted uh, the members of his family to come help out. My birthday? Your your wedding anniversary, you and Catherine, in Las Vegas. Oh, that was fantastic, yes. Okay, let, like he remembers anything about. Seriously, that. let's have a rule that we don't allow him near cameras anymore. So he was so he's promoting his Blu-ray project. That guy was it's everywhere awkward. this weekend, which is strange for a guy for him. whose uh, whose life or death status was sort of unknown to us up until the day that Michael Jackson died. I just sort of figured he died ten or fifteen years ago, but of course the the evil live forever. I guess. So did you see that thing that? Uh, um, uh, what was it that, that uh, what's her name, Beyonce, that outfit that she had on at the BET Awards? It was, it, it was like she was, it was like some weird wedding dress meets tutu. Uh, she looked like kind of, I mean, just in terms of her outfit, it, it was, what are those things that the, uh, what are those things that the ballerinas wear? It's a, that is a tutu, right? Yeah, Where it's a like tutu. a leotard, but then like a skirt thing that goes like way out at the sides as though it's spring loaded. That's what she was. It was like she was wearing a big fabric Fabergé egg uh, from the hips down that then opened up at one point. It's just very difficult to describe. It was a strange look. Um, Hmm. I have a Beyonce uh, comment. Uh, She was on stage here. This is to you, Michael Jackson. Thank you so much. I have to thank Michael for being my teacher, my hero. And I'd like to thank all of the fans for making this a really beautiful memory for me. God bless y'all. Thank you. 
Uh, suddenly, Michael Jackson was everybody's mentor. Seriously. Everybody on earth was suddenly, uh, you know, they received one-on-one instruction from Michael Jackson in the ways of soul. And I heard someone say that uh, Barack Obama became president because of Michael Jackson. What? That makes no sense at that, all. That was one of the comments that <laughs> one of the people going to the red carpet to the BET Awards made last night. The uh, CNN. He's Michael Jackson is going to be. He will be uh, for the next period of time, if not uh, permanently. He will be. There was this period of time where if you are an R and B singer, you, you were. It was like you were legally required to name check Al Green. He was the guy you had to talk about. You say, well, so you, uh, Justin Timberlake, who are your inspirations? And you'd say, well, I'm a huge fan of Al Green. Not so much Al Green. Now it's all Michael Jackson. Also, also Beyonce sang. She did like a like a, you know sort of a medley, but it was two songs. One was um, what was that Angel song by Sarah McLaughlin? It was that back to back with Ave Maria, which is like the most random thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I thought it was high. I was watching the television, and it's Beyonce wearing a huge fabricy egg shaped tutu singing Ave Maria, and I was sort of. And it was like at that moment I thought, did I have some bad mayonnaise or something earlier in the day? Am I am I tripping? Um, all right, here's Tim Riley. Am I tripping? <laughs> so I'm going to weed through the stack of Michael Jackson stories. One is just as shocking as the other. So I mean, there's really no way to prioritize this. No, there, so we're going to go through them. We have all morning. A fight broke out on a Florida bus when news of Michael Jackson's death sparked debate over whether or not he should be remembered as a great musical talent, and one passenger is being charged with assault. The bus was moving through the city of North Lauderdale when a passenger named James received a text message about Jackson's death on his cell phone and read it aloud on the bus. The unidentified bus driver uh, said that Michael Jackson should have been in jail a long time ago, uh, prompting the man to retort, the world has just lost a great musical talent. It was the last uh, remark that engaged another passenger named Henry, who uh, started a swearing match with the guy who read the message, then pulled out a knife and chased the messenger down the bus aisle with it. The driver called the dispatcher, who pulled the, over the bus next to a convenience store to wait for sheriff's deputies and uh, arrested the man with a knife. He's been on jail on uh, charges of aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. Jesus, God almighty. Where was this at? Uh, Miami. Oh, 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 oh. Darn it. Wait. That is all oh, me. So you were not even out of the gate. All right. That's what I'm talking about right there. Excellent. All right. I, uh, I know someone. I want to identify who this person is. I know somebody who has a coworker. And apparently the co-worker spent all day on Friday on message boards of one form or another just posting angry messages about Michael Jackson and how we were, you know. Some uh, people have too much time on their hands. Well, I mean, that's really. that's Anonymous posters very seldom do anything with their lives. Well, that's... And this person presumably has a job. Uh, uh, I'm it's sure just, it's a very important one. Just sitting there at work, getting nothing, just going Plenty from, of self-esteem. <laughs> one message board uh, to the other posting is like Brunhilde55. This angry screeds about Michael Jackson. Uh, all right. Well, and, oh, and then I think, and then uh, this final thing on the BET Awards, uh, two things. One, I think Jamie Foxx, uh, was, was it Jamie Foxx that came out and he had the, like, the red uh, thriller it, jacket on? I think that was him. And then also... What's his name from Soul Train? Don Cornelius? Uh-huh. I think he was actually there uh, as well. You talk about another guy I haven't thought about it forever. So it was just the strangest. Also, Joe Jackson looks exactly like Cab Calloway. I kept it, it kept waiting for him to start singing Minnie the Moocher. It was just the strangest confluence of images. Here's uh, Tim Riley. So Michael uh, Jackson's doctor is not considered a suspect in connection with the death of the pop star. Cardiologist Conrad Murphy answered telephone questions from the police. Police received a statement saying Murray is a person of interest in the case, but not a suspect. So page two of this. Uh, an attorney for this cardiologist 
claims he is owed $300,000 by the promoter of the star's planned concerts in London. Uh, AEG Live is two months behind on paying the good doctor to serve as Jackson's personal physician. I guess nobody within this circle of people has ever paid anything. No. they. I mean, they're just charging everything and getting away with it. The CEO and president of AEG Live said the contract to pay Murray required Jackson's signature. Jackson didn't sign the agreement before his death. Therefore, more people aren't getting paid. So all these people work for nothing, for big... Big money, really. So is everybody... Just to hang around to be leeches. I mean, that that's the thing. Like, So it was everybody uh, working for Jackson just... Um, to be a leech. But, but I mean, they, but, no, they weren't even leeching. I mean, there was, there was no money to be had. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, were, were they getting paid? No. So They're they were hanging just, around this $100,000 Bel Air mansion... I, well, I mean, okay. Well, I guess there's that. I mean, I guess you're living in a, you're living in some ostentatious estate. So, I mean, apparently, they, maybe they were all just doing it, as they say in Vegas, on the come. You know, they were just sort of figuring that they were hanging around, and eventually, if he cacked it, uh, they would be in line to get something or other. They'd have their hand out. They'd already be, you know, they'd already be there first in line. Uh, I mean, all they had to, to do is dra- drive a couple of miles to a drive-up and get burgers for a buck. There are jack-in-the-boxes there, and people can live on mostly nothing. <laughs> I suppose that's true. It's all driving distance. Did you see that letter that the uh, the doctor sent to all of his patients when he quit? She's like, dear patients, oh, yeah. uh, I have received a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I will get to work for nothing and be a person of interest in the death of the world's most beloved pop star. <laughs> I can't pass this up. So, it's, but that guy, when did we start using the phrase person of interest, too? Because that's somewhere between innocent and suspect, right? Because, yes. like, the, uh, the, the what's-its, the Ramseys uh, were people of interest for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess, and I'm unclear about whether they found the doctor or not. Is he is he in some room right now talking to the cops? I was unclear about whether they ever even located I, I him. I guess they know where to find him, and they've questioned him so far. So he is so sort he, of around. I guess, I guess so. All in all, he's not the biggest priority at the moment, apparently. No. So they know that they can come after him and put him in some black bag and bring them back to wherever he needs to be questioned, if need be. I guess. I oh, And, and, just, and he does want his money. <laughs> and he does have a lawyer. Well, that's... The, and the idea that he also hasn't gotten paid uh, forever is just the strangest... I wonder if that's the thing where you just... It's sort of a, I will gladly give you $100,000 on Tuesday for some Demerol mm-hmm. today. And you kind of go, well... Okay, he's Michael Jackson. I guess he's good for it. Yeah. Maybe they were all figuring they would get paid when these concerts happened. That must be the deal. They figured they'd hang around, prime the pump, and then the faucet gets turned on as soon as he plays the O2 Arena, and then that's when the money comes through, and then that didn't work out so well. All right. Uh, straight ahead, more from Tim Riley at the news desk. Later on, CNN Radio correspondent Amanda Moyer from uh, Atlanta. Jim Rupp will join us from Los Angeles. We'll also talk to Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian about the weekend box office. We'll be giving away a copy also of Joey Kramer from Aerosmith. He's got a new book out. Maybe, uh, have your chance to win a copy of that. We're live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. More of the Rick Emerson Show in mere moments. Only on Rock 101 KUFO. from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-228-4101. Coming up in the next hour, CNN Radio correspondent Amanda Moyer will join us to uh, give us the latest on this guy in South Carolina who really in some awful way had a pretty good uh, week last week because he only got the one and a half press cycles before Michael Jackson kind of knocked everything off the uh, off the front page. So bad for Farrah Fawcett, uh, good for the guy in South Carolina, also for Sam Adams, uh, I should add, who, uh, man, this, like revelations were coming about every 90 minutes uh, on that guy. And then they sort of won two. And then Billy Mays died. I know I keep going back to that. but So that's what David Carradine, Ed McMahon, Farrah Fawcett, Michael Jackson, Billy Mays. So it's sort of a... Um, 
It's sort of a bell curve, actually, because you start with David Carradine, who, I mean, Kill Bill aside, nobody really thought about him forever. And then you end with Billy Mays, who's sort of a niche uh, celebrity. And then right in the middle, Michael Jackson. All right, at the news desk, your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. It is 542. It's going to be a beautiful sunny day today. High temperatures will be near 80. It's a back to work today. Less of a struggle knowing nice weather is with us. National Weather Service forecasting sunny skies. High temperatures about 78 today. Clackamas County Sheriff's Deputy is seeking a suspect wanted for stabbing a Vancouver man who went to Clackamas, apparently to have a good time, ended up stabbed bloody in a parking lot. The man was found on Jansen Road near I-205, hospitalized in critical condition. Investigators on the lookout for 30-year-old Casey James Hatch. He's wanted for the crime and remains at large. Do we know what the nature of the fun he was having in Clackamas was? I mean, until the stabbing? I guess he came down from the Couve to experience city life. and <laughs> Things didn't go so well when you... Let's go to the thriving metropolis of Clackamas. Look for fun in the clack. See how that, see how that will work out for us. Well, let's talk about uh, Billy Mays. Billy, Billy Mays, the TV pitch man, most noted for OxyClean. His wife found him unconscious around 7.45 in the morning at his Tampa home. This is not related to Michael Jackson, all you conspiracy people. No signs of forced entry or foul play. He was known for his energetic delivery in a wide variety of projects. You can't watch television without seeing him every two minutes on something. I'm really bummed out about it, actually. I mean, it's not like it's going to ruin my day, but I'm just I'm sort of more, I'm, I'm brought more low by that than I would have anticipated. He also did Orange Glow, by the way. That was the, uh, that was the other thing he was pushing I him a lot. And, and was on his way to Orange Julia, no, no uh, Taco Bell, I'm sorry. He was supposed to be a pitch man for Taco Bell. Oh, not like actually on the way, but I... Yeah, so, so, but I did was, buy some Kaboom once and it didn't work, but it's not his fault. No, no, no. Well, you know, uh, he's uh, he's simply the... Uh, he's Fire the, beware, I suppose. He's the messenger, Tim, not the message. Should have used old-fashioned scrubbing, but... You know, and he looks... Problem. Uh, do you always confuse him with that guy in Home Improvement? Because he looks just like that guy. And I don't know... Oh, who yeah. the, Whoever that dude, uh, yeah. dude on Home Improvement is, the guy that's the, uh, the, the not oh, the yeah, next door neighbor, but the sidekick. Show. Yeah, exactly. Um, Who is that guy? I can't remember his name. But you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. The guy with, well, the guy that looks like Billy Mays. What's so, his name, Al? Uh, I, I think you're right. Al something. Is it? How soon they all forget. Yeah, but, but you're right that he ended up getting some gig on uh, on the Game Show Network or on G4 or something. He got, yeah, he got some. Something he got nobody watched. Some ongoing gig out of that. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley. So uh, anyway, Billy Mays had a rough landing at Tampa International Airport. Apparently, he got clunked over the head with something. And uh, he wasn't wearing a seatbelt. And once he got off the plane, there were some TV people there who interviewed him. Is my pot up? It's only in one channel. But uh, Oh, can you hear anything? No, it's very, it's very low. I wonder what's going on here. Well, anyway, I had something, and it's no longer playing. So uh, Billy May uh, talked to somebody, and he was only 50 years old. But wait, let's back up for a second. I, how is it, what does the, the not wearing a seatbelt have, to, have yeah. to do with this? Well, because... He apparently got out of his seat before the plane came to, or it was ah. thrown about in the rough landing. And the luggage hit him on the head. Correct. And then he went home, you know, uh, laughing about, well, it was a rough landing. Ha, 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 and me- meanwhile, he's, uh, meanwhile, he's just got like some weird internal injury inside his, uh, inside his brain. Yes. Uh-huh. Right, wear your seatbelt, kids. Uh, you know, and I have to say, that all kidding aside, I keep my seatbelt on until the plane has, until people are actually getting off the plane. That's what I take off my seatbelt. Why? You never know. So Michael Jackson had wasted away to 112 pounds and was almost completely bald when he died. These are from uh, leaks from the autopsy from the British tabloid The Sun. I don't hear about leaks from Michael Jackson's <laughs> autopsy. This was uh, connected in Los Angeles Friday. Also found his emaciated body was riddled with needle marks from drug injections. Oh. 
His face was laced with scars from years of plastic surgery. There was also a big scar on his left ear where he was burned in the 1984 Pepsi commercial. Uh, the tabloid uh, cites unnamed sources. The attorney for Jackson's personal physician, Dr. Conrad Murphy, Murray, I should say, hit back against rumors that he injected Jackson with Demerol. This just came in, so everybody listen. Okay, well, I don't know about the needle marks, but I can say this. Dr. Murray never prescribed nor administered Demerol to Michael Jackson, not ever. Mm. So he's just flat out, well, that's not like a, uh, that's not like he's uh, sort of um, soft selling it. Like, that's a flat out denial, he says. Right. So, well, that's sort of suspicious because then it, the, who because who was doing it? Well, it could have been Jackson himself, I guess. I mean, yeah. he might have been shooting himself up, baby. Or one of the kids. Yeah. Ed uh, Chertoff, the attorney, <laughs> describes Jackson's condition when his client found him. He was warm. He had a pulse. Uh, he, he was warm. Breathing. How'd you find Michael Jackson? He was warm. That's unnerving for some reason. So he was alive when they found him? Yeah, he, he apparently had some faint pulse. This is the doctor who claims this. Right, and his lawyer. Well, you know, the weird, have you heard, well, you've heard the 911 call, right? Yes. So here's the strange thing is that, the, like, even I know this, and I'm, and I'm an idiot. They're doing uh, CPR on him, but they're doing it on the bed. Anderson Cooper brought that up. Which is like, that's like uh, CPR 101. That Anderson you don't... Cooper said they're not supposed to do that. No, you're, no, you're supposed to do it on a flat surface, because otherwise you just press and, like, there's, I mean, there's got to be give, uh, you know, or not give. But, I mean, in other words, they've got to be resistance. And it's like if you're doing CP, it's like doing CPR on somebody who's laying on top of Jello. You press down, and they just go right down through the thing. It, like they got to be in a flat surface, so when you press, you know they don't move, so you can press the chest down or whatever. Which you would think that a doctor would presumably know, right? Like especially because he's a cardiologist, which is sort of creepy. Like that's the other thing nobody's asking is like, why did Michael Jackson have a cardiologist if he didn't have any history of heart problems? Mm-hmm. I find the whole thing a little suspicious, Tim. So the attorney for the cardiologist points out his client wasn't forced into taking care of the pop icon. My client left a very lucrative private business in Nevada and Houston to work for Michael Jackson exclusively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. So that's the latest from the uh, the autopsy report. In addition to that big list of drugs, did you see the uh, on the? I guess it was in the front of the Sun that had. The Sun is so great uh, because the Sun, of course, is is the Sun the uh, the newspaper on which the New York Post is based. Yes, do you think it is mm. the sister publication? All right, of the New York Post. That explains why those why the front pages look so similar all the time. Uh, but if you saw the Sun this weekend, it looked you know like the New York Post, where it's just the huge letters, and it just it was just a list of the drugs that he was on. That was the whole headline. The front page was just, and it was Jesus. I'm trying to remember. Uh, it, there was Zoloft, Xanax, Vicodin. Soma, which is a muscle uh, muscle relaxant, um, Prilosec, which is like an antacid thing. Um, God, what else? Something else. I mean, there was there was like eight different things uh, uh, that he was on, which I guess shouldn't surprise anybody. But it's one of those things you have to wait for official. You have to wait for the official confirmation of it because everybody was like, "Well, there's this, these rumors that he was on prescription drugs," which it just seems like sort of sort of evident uh, to me. But I guess uh, I guess there was a lot of them. There's a whole cocktail. You know, as we as we speak, all this. Brand new sound is coming in, and I'm trying to keep up with it. That's how busy this is. Going. So this isn't going to let up for a long time. No. So here's the latest on this. Uh, the late singer's family is lobbying for his mother, Catherine Jackson, to get custody. Jackson family attorney Londell McMillan explains why she wants these kids. The fortunate reality is that they have a long-term relationship with their loving grandmother, Miss Catherine Jackson, who I think the world knows and appreciates is just an amazing woman. They don't expect anyone to challenge Michael Jackson's mother for custody of his children. She presently has custody, and I think that I don't guess that there will be anybody who think that there would be someone better. 
Debbie Rowe. I'm not saying she'd be better, but I'm saying it seems likely that she'll. Because here was my thing is I was on Friday. We were asking the question, well, why would she possibly want custody since he's got no money? You know, he's 400 grand or 400 grand, 400 million dollars in the hole. So why would she want custody when there's no child support to be had? But then it came out that he has these these unreleased 200 recordings in a vault that he specifically never released just because he wanted them to be income for his kids after he was gone. So, you know, at this point, 200 unreleased Michael Jackson songs is uh, that's a large chunk of change. So if these she, kids are like twelve and eleven now. The ones father, uh, mothered, fathered by Debbie Rowe. Uh, really, who's to say? I mean, it, <laughs> I it's, don't a, know. it's an understandable mistake, Tim. She's a, she is something of a, she is something of a of a um, unconventional beauty. She just she looks like Augustus Gloop. There's just no getting her. I, I'm sorry. She I just, really is kind of unfortunate. She's an unpleasant looking woman. Which brings us to this story. Michael Jackson's children are, are not fathered by Michael Jackson. I can't believe I'm reading half this stuff, but I'll just keep going. <laughs> Michael Jackson's ex-wife, Debbie Rowe, who gave birth to the two oldest children, Prince and Paris, she said she was impregnated through artificial insemination using sperm from an anonymous donor, not Michael Jackson. Thus, she compared herself to a thoroughbred horse. <laughs> <laughs> no argument for me, Tim. Rowe, who just days ago was hinting that she might fight for custody of the children she bore for Jackson, Spilled the beans in Britain's News of the World. Why is it that the British papers are on top of this and the American papers are doing nothing? That's a good question. It doesn't seem like we're sort of missing out over here. This is our big chance to establish our superiority in the tabloid world. Rowe says, I was just the vessel. I wasn't, it wasn't Michael's sperm. I got paid for it and I moved on. I know I'll never see my children again. She revealed how she and the Thriller star never had sex. And did not share a bed during their three-year marriage. The scrap of the union is only a friendship. I offered him my wound. It was a gift. My wound? My wound? Womb. Oh, sorry. W-O-M-B. All right. W-O-M-B? It was something (laughs) I did to keep him happy. (laughs) She is the morning DJ in W-O-M-B. All right. Uh, Well, there you go. I'll take the phrase, I offered Michael Jackson my womb. Uh, I went to the office, which we call the medical clinic. They impregnated me. Just, <laughs> this, this, this story is so full of phrases. I'm trying not to interrupt, but every one of these phrases just sounds so surreal. I went to the office where they impregnated me. <laughs> oh, I don't think I should read the next line. Oh, God. Is, is that, is that more, like a turkey is more sperm business? Kind of. Is this about the mechanics <laughs> of the impregnation? Here's the quote. Get ready on the button if you don't want to hear it. Uh, well, no, wait a minute. No, I, I won't read it then. <laughs> Maybe we should. Should That's I look at you. the phrase? Sure, come here. All right. Hold on. Let me look at the phrase here. Uh, no. Okay, forget it. <laughs> no. You're not going to hear it. It says, it says, um, it, it's something about a four-legged creature. She, uh, she compares being impregnated to the mechanics by which one would put the male essence into uh, a farm animal. Uh, for reproductive purposes, like feeding an apple to a horse, exactly. But you're, it's not an apple, and it's the different end. All right, let's let's do this. Let's um, <laughs> let's move on, shall we? Sure. All right, straight ahead, we have more from Tim Riley. Uh, Amanda Moyer will join us from the uh, CNN Radio Center in Atlanta as we try to uh, catch up on the, some of the other news. We've also got uh, Jim Roop from CNN Radio Los Angeles joining us later on, and coming up here in just a few minutes, we'll give you the shot at winning a copy of Joey Kramer from Aerosmith, his autobiography and autographed copy. We're live from beautiful downtown Portland. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. KUFO, Portland! 
It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. We're live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It's 503-228-4101. Coming up at 620, we'll talk to CNN Radio correspondent Amanda Moyer from uh, the CNN Radio Center in Atlanta about South Carolina governor. I guess he's going to stay the governor until they get rid. Can they recall a governor? Well, he's been a governor for a while, though, hasn't he? There's some sort of window? I, I guess I can ask. I never pay any attention to South Carolina politics, to be honest with <laughs> That's you. It's hard to believe, Tim. I know. I thought you it's were. It's such uh, an important state. I thought you were trying to weave that into your uh, your news tapestry. Isn't right. that just uh, mud and pork down there? <laughs> I'm and, not sure what comes and, from there. And tobacco, Tim. Tobacco. No, don't forget that as well. And clapboard shacks, I think. And hate. Uh, all right. Uh, well, in any event, so we'll talk to Amanda Moyer about uh, about that guy who had who had a little bit of a, a stroke of good luck, I suppose, last week when uh, Michael Jackson Jackson kicked him off the uh, the front page. Uh, Jim Rupp will join us from Los Angeles to talk about Michael Jackson. Although I just feel so sorry for that guy because you know we were talking to Rupp on Friday and it wasn't wasn't he the one who just came out of the gate just saying like wow 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 because he never would have anticipated that Michael Jackson was going to die and now it's just like the news. It's like it's like Michael Jackson's thin, frail, emaciated, scarecrow-like body was just was was the dike just holding back this massive dam, or this you know this, this flood of information, and so now there's just all of this crap coming out. I mean, just faster than like we can... every minute. I mean, I'm downloading new stuff right now. Didn't you say something about a hotel too? Because I haven't heard that. Oh, story. I haven't told that part of the story. I'm <laughs> oh, gonna save that for next. No, we hour. we should okay. save that to later. Yeah, that, because that's it. That's for later. It is so off-putting. Uh, yeah, and, don't, and we, you we shouldn't can't give away all the candy at once. You can only reach so, for so much at you know, one time. Especially when said uh, adjacent to a Michael Jackson story, that phrase takes on a whole separate meaning. And I would like to encourage you, Sarah, to not go, don't, don't look I that up. I will look it up. And if somebody sends you the story, don't read it. I won't. You should wait to have Tim convey it to you. It's it's so thoroughly I'm, disconcerting. I'm putting all the cookies in one big cookie jar, and we can only take one at a time. That's right. You have to dispense <laughs> these things very gradually. Like uh, Demerol, for example. You don't want to take all of that at once. I mean, theoretically speaking. I'm not giving out Demerol. That's right, Tim. Because that would be wrong. Right. Christy Turnquist from the Oregonian will uh, join us as well. We'll talk about the uh, the weekend box office and uh, uh, so forth. Oh, by the way, I should say, so it wasn't just, so I did more this weekend than just read Michael Jackson News and go to see Rent. I was actually pondering, I was looking looking back at what I did over the, and really, somebody ought to just write a musical called Work, uh, you know, or how about a musical called Pay? How about a musical called Pay for the Place in Which You Are Living? Would that be such a huge, that be such a huge problem for everybody? Here's the odd thing also about when you go to see Rent is or anything like that i mean you know it's not like i have any you know i have any problem with musicals or you know the theater or whatever and we you know, have we done did we do the top five did we all take turns doing the top five show tunes or whatever i think so yeah our top five yeah. uh you know favorite show yeah, tunes. Favorite songs. it's not like i got any problem with that but you go to see rent and it is interesting to sit and watch uh, the breakout and try to figure out of all the guys who are there what percentage are there because their wife slash girlfriend brought them uh you know or sort of it told them that they were going to be attending because I see, and it could, speaking for myself, I actually was the one who proactively, because Laura didn't even know that it was coming to town, but I had been tipped off by our uh, friend uh, Kara, who is a, a longtime friend of the show, and she sent me this email because she's you know a big theater nerd, and she sent me this email. She's like, "Hey, you know, Rent is coming to town, and, and the two guys, uh, you know, the, the lead characters are the guys who did the Broadway performance." And she's like, you should go. And I email back. I'm like, thanks. That's great. Probably not going to go. Thanks anyway. And she emailed back again. And she said, here's why you should go, because your wife will like it. And it will be a great get out of jail free card for something that she wants you to do. Like if you proactively, like if you don't wait for her to find out, if you just go out of your way to buy rent tickets and then take Laura to see it, 
then you have a total pass for the next time she wants you to do something. That's pretty genius. Which is exactly how it worked out, by the way. Because so I went online and I go to, you know, whatever Ticketmaster, da, 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 two tickets for rent. Bam, got them. I swear to God, and it was like it was creepy. It was almost like she knew it was gonna happen because it wasn't it wasn't thirty and I was kind of holding them back. It's kind of a surprise. It wasn't thirty six hours after I bought rent tickets that Lara says, So, um so on Saturday, um, what are you doing? And when she says, What do you you know, when she says, you know, do you have any plans on Saturday? What that always means is that she has plans and I will then need to just remove whatever my plans are. Like whatever my plans it were, those will need to be put away somewhere because <laughs> she's like got fun. something I'm gonna be doing. And I said well, I don't know, honey. And this is this is actually last uh, weekend. This is not just this past Saturday. This is it, 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 you know two Saturdays ago. And I said, I don't know why. And she says, Well, um, because a friend of mine at work is throwing a solstice party. And see, your expression Ew. of horror is exactly the expression no. I had. And it was just it was like she'd asked me to go to some sort of a. Would you like to go to a? Uh, would you like to go to a rotted food party? I mean, that's like that's what as though she'd asked me to see party. that. What? What would even happen at a solstice? I don't know. I think you have to blow into a conch or something some and dance then... around some flaming pole. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you are a lot of stinky. You have to wear a lot of. You have to wear grape leaves in your hair and uh, something. But it was like she said, "Would you like to go to a party where everybody will? Uh, everybody will just kick you in the junk for two hours, and you know, and then you'll eat trash." I mean, I was no, no, I would not. But. She said, so, uh, yeah, so this, you know, so-and-so that I work with is throwing a soul. And she works with, here's the strange thing about her is, like, I would say that she's such a hippie, but on the other hand, it's like she has a job. Like a much, you know, I mean, like, like a stable, actual, real grown-up job. She's way more um, responsible than I am in terms of money mm-hmm. and in terms of finances, in terms of, you know, like all, like investments or, or you know, you know any, any, anywhere where we've got our money invested, like in the market or whatever, she handles all that stuff. So it's like she's way... Like, on the one hand, my wife is a huge hippie. On the other hand, she's not at all because she handles, like, all of the sort of grown-up uh, fiscal side of things. But the thing is, I've learned that there is some strange variation on hippie because all of her coworkers are like this, too, because the guy that was throwing uh, the hippie solstice party has, like, a Ph.D. in biochemistry or something or, you know, some uh, some damn thing. Anyway, so she's like, do you want to go to this uh, solstice party? And I said, ooh, boy, I don't know. I got all this stuff to do. Hey, by the way, did I tell you that I bought these great seats for us to see Rent next Saturday? Mm-hmm. And immediately, it was so great. It was like the great, it was like the bright, shiny, theatrical object. It was like I had taken some sort of singing, dancing catnip and thrown into the other side of the room. And she was immediately distracted. I didn't have to go to the solstice party. Awesome. So I'd like to thank you, Kara. That worked out perfectly. Uh, it's a, and you know, frankly, and that I would, just sounds like hell, though. No, that the, 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 I would rather I would I would rather sit and watch it at ten hours of theater. Uh, then go to 15 minutes of some damn hippie party somewhere where everybody's got to sit around and just chanting and seriously just uh, strumming a banjo and you know I don't shaking know shaking bells singing about you know Gaia the Earth Mother. Oh, thank you. I'll no. pass. None, none for me. Thank you. All right. Well, not even. What headlines are we uh, following on this Monday, Tim? Okay, so now I have uh, Michael Jackson's manager, who we're going to hear from in a couple of minutes. Brand new song just in moments ago. Uh, some of the headlines. Uh, genetic conditions had ruined Michael Jackson's lungs, leaving him unable to sing. He became so skeletal, doctors believed he was anorexic. He had nightmares of being murdered and wanted to die. Well, there you go. So more peppy Michael Jackson news on the way. We'll also talk to Amanda Moyer from the CNN Radio Center in Atlanta. That's coming up at the 620. And she'll tell us what's up with this weaselly South Carolina governor guy. Uh, and so forth. In oh, mere... creepy 911 calls at McDonald's in Clackamas. Hard to believe. The Rick Emerson Show is live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. This 
is The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Now broadcasting everywhere at all times to everyone in accordance with prophecy. Oh my God, I thought you were going to say nipples. The Rick Emerson Show returns. This is Rock 101 KUFO. It is the Rick Emerson radio program live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It's 503-228-4101. Now it's just nothing but suggestions about what might be happening at a solstice party. Drum circles, says uh, says Greg. And then we've got this one. Hey, when I hear summer solstice party, Rick, I just peeper. I just <laughs> peeper. Never mind. I'll come back to that joke later. If I do it now, it's not going to be funny. Uh, Tim Riley, what headlines are we following on this Monday morning? Why, they are vast and numerous. First. The world is mourning the death of Billy Mays, the OxyClean man. Farrah Fawcett's funeral will be held in L.A. tomorrow. Ed McMahon's was held yesterday. Transformers brings in $201.2 million in its opening five days. People just threw their money around at anything. Oh, it's common denominator. Anything. And Microsoft is doing away with MSN Web Messenger, whatever that is. What, what, Maybe what you is, kids know. I have no idea. No, the answer, anything that it starts with MSN and ends with anything else is unknown to me as a consumer. All right, let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from the CNN Radio Center in Atlanta, our good friend Amanda Moyer. Good morning to you. How are you? Good morning. I'm great. How are you today? I'm a, I'm a little bummed out about the Billy Mays thing, uh, frankly. Not like it's going to ruin my whole week or whatever, but I. Uh, but he's one of those guys that you just, I don't say you take him for granted, but I guess you do because you just see him constantly. Uh, and then when you hear he's, and then, but then as a result, you're sort of disproportionately uh, sad about it because he's a guy whose uh, mortality you never really pondered. That's true, and it's it's going to be hard to it's hard to miss him on TV. Talking products like OxyClean and Orange Glow. Every time you turn on the TV, he's got some kind of uh, product he's pushing. And the thing is, he was relentlessly uh, sort of ebullient about it. I mean, he's a guy who obviously I mean I'm, I don't know whether he actually understood or knew about or had knew the inner workings of all the stuff he pushed or not. But I but he certainly seemed uh, to be very into if not necessarily the specific products, into his job. It seems like he was one of those guys who was just who was born to do that. Uh, that was, uh, you know, that that was that was his calling, as they say. So just uh, kind of a, da- I mean, Ron Popeil's still alive, and he's sort of the grandfather of all of that. But it's, uh, you know, it's just one of the, one of those things. And here's a question, actually. So now are they going to, because that his his spots just run all the time. Are they going to uh, immediately just kind of pull all the Billy May stuff that's currently airing? Do you think? I think they probably will. I haven't seen any of the the commercials today, but going online and looking for some of the the videos, they're already being pulled, some of them. But I don't know how quick that'll happen. I know he recently just did commercials uh, for ESPN 360, so uh, I assume that those won't play very often, or at least they'll be stopping soon. And apparently this is it. So what we heard today is that he had, he was in a, uh, he was taking a flight and he had some sort of a bump on the head or something hit him on the back of the head, and then he didn't realize that he had some sort of internal problem or bleeding or something, and then went home and just uh, and just never regained consciousness. Is that kind of what we what we know so far? Well, sort of, yeah. What we know is he was on the U.S. Airways flight from Philadelphia to Tampa that had a hard landing on Saturday. Apparently, the front tire under the nose of the plane blew out, and even though the airline said that no injuries were reported, Mays told um, a local TV station in Tampa that luggage had fallen out of the bin and hit him on the head. And then apparently later that night, he said that um, to his wife and also a friend that uh, he wasn't feeling so great. He was groggy. 
uh, and he was tired, and he said that right before he went to sleep Saturday night, and then uh, he was pronounced dead at 745. Uh, so time. creepy. The, 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 the delayed uh, death like that is the thing that freaks me out, because uh, what's her name? Liam Neeson's wife. That was her deal, right? Is that she, she fell over or something while she was skiing, and then a little bit later on, just, uh, you know, it, yeah, just very creepy. Um, hey, let's, let's talk about uh, uh, this guy, uh, Mark Sanford, the South Carolina governor. So he had... I mean, in some sort of perverse way, a little bit of luck last week because he got completely and totally knocked out of the news cycle by Michael Jackson. But that's probably only nationally. I would imagine in South Carolina, there's still he's still story number one. What is what is to become of that guy? Well, he says that he's still, uh, he has no plans to step down. However, there are calls for an investigation into whether state property or money was misused on these uh, few trips that he went to Argentina to see his mistress. And um, the pressure is building in South Carolina. As you said, there are several lawmakers who want him to resign. A couple of newspapers are calling for him to step down. But uh, right at this point, he says that he is going to stay in office. All right. Well, you know, if he stays in office, look, it's sort of a... I'm going to say it's a win-win. It really is only a win for us if he stays in office because he's going to continue to provide entertainment value for us because he's got, A, this woman in Argentina who I finally saw a picture of today. And and I so I guess she has now admitted uh, to the affair. And then there were all of these this sort of emails coming out where he was saying things like, you know, shall, shall I compare thee to a summer's day or whatever. He was talking about the, the glow the glow of the moonlight on her skin is as you stood there before me wearing only you know whatever and it was just all of like weird creepy like um like bad 22 year old poetry uh, that he was writing to her it was just terrible it was very sappy emails uh making reference to her tan lines and uh, uh but she has broken her silence sort of she said she isn't gonna publicly discuss the relationship but she did uh address those emails that we talked about last week the emails between her and sanford that were published in the south carolina newspaper she said that someone hacked into her account last year and leaked them yeah it was like somebody had watched like Cinemax at about 3 a.m., and then also recently read an Anne Rice novel and decided to take their hand at writing erotic poetry. It was all very disturbing. All right. Uh, CNN Radio correspondent Amanda Moyer, as always, a pleasure. Have a fantastic day, Amanda. Thank you. You too. There you go. That's Amanda Moyer, ladies and gentlemen. All right. It's just uh, altogether weird. Uh, and then we have this question about Michael Jackson. It says, are Joe and Catherine Jackson, that's the, the, the grandmother, still married to each other? They keep saying the grandmother's getting custody. But by virtue of that marriage, you'd think that Joe Jackson would also have custody. I believe mention was made of their 60th anniversary. So it, so when they say the oh, grandmother's yeah. going to get custody, that's not so much the grandmother as it is the grandparents. And wasn't Joe Jackson the guy that was like beating his kids with a series of inanimate objects? I mean, yes. allegedly, mm-hmm. according to Michael, anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, that's an interesting thing, now that I think about it, because you're right. They mentioned that, that anniversary, yet no one talks about how Joe Jackson would be the guy getting. And I can't imagine a court giving like 80-year-olds custody anyway, because, mm-hmm. I mean, how much longer are they going to be around? I mean, despite the fact that he was apparently an abusive jackass, uh, on top of that, it, you know, the, it, it seems like their life expectancy is at the point it could be measured in just a handful of years. Well, we'll ask Roop about it. All right. Uh, straight ahead, more news from Tim Riley coming up at 7.05. We'll talk to Jim Roop from CNN Radio Los Angeles. And by the way, Tim does have... One of the most disconcerting aspects of all this Michael Jackson news coming up next hour. So you want to be uh, listening for that. And uh, straight ahead, we'll have a little bit of uh, Twilight news. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland. This is The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Now broadcasting 
everywhere. Yeah, I'm a feminist, but look at my boobs. The Rick Emerson Show returns. This is Rock 101 KUFO. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson radio program. It's 503-228-4101. Coming up in the next hour, CNN Radio correspondent Jim Roop will join us at 7.05 to talk about uh, all things Michael Jackson. And by all things, I mean all things as they exist now at 6.40. Everything will probably have changed by 7.05 because that kind of seems to be the way of... uh, the way of this tale. Uh, coming up at 7.20, we'll talk to Oregonian uh, pop culture writer Christy Turnquist, who has a huge article in today's How We Live section about, uh, it's called Touched by Twilight. And I guess it's... Ooh, in what's a, it about? Well, it's three... Because I guess... See, I should have known this, Tim. These are all things I don't know. Uh, I... It's like, what, uh, like, like a lot of people who don't work in the film industry, I have no idea how anything actually operates. So in my head, they just bring everything with them. But as you noted, that's not really the case, because a lot of the props and the, the, everything all come from here, yes. including some of the actors, which I guess I could have figured out for myself. But they interview these three people who were sort of ancillary actors in Twilight. Um, like they, um, um, they talk to this guy, Solomon, sounds like a made-up name, Solomon Trimble. Who sounds like some sort of Dickensian character, but he would like, but he would live in like a debtor's prison. He played Sam, who was, I guess, Jacob's friend in Twilight. I tried so hard just to sponge everything of that book and that movie out of my brain as soon as I was done with it. Um, anyway, so they interview uh, this guy who was in Twilight, but this is all because there's that baseball game coming up this Saturday or this softball game where like all the Twilight actors and actresses are going to be in town. All They're of all them? good. I, I think all the main. Actors are going to be uh, playing softball at PGE Park. For, it's like for the Make a Wish Foundation or something. Oh my God, that's the Paddock's thing wife ever. is going. Uh, I think Paddock, I totally want to go. I don't I'm know sh- how much. I don't know how much it costs. I know. It, I mean, it's probably not cheap because it's for charity, so they can like you know, so they can they can screw you for a lot of cash. So I think she's going to see that. But you're going to be out of town, aren't you? Aren't you going to be like camping or something? I think I'm going to be camping on Thursday, but I I would totally come back for that if it isn't like ridiculously priced. Really? I well, can't imagine you camping. <laughs> oh, I love the camping. I can't imagine you going. Well, I can't imagine you going to see the guys from Twilight play softball. Oh, are you? Kidding I can me? see that. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's pop culture. Well, look, I almost went to see the Jonas Brothers on Saturday just because it's part of you know because mm. it's part of what people are talking about today. Uh, I ended up not doing that, but I very nearly. By the way, what just, do they sing? I don't know any Jonas Brothers I've songs. never heard a Jonas Brothers song. Where does one hear one? Well, I, here's the thing, and this is my only observation, then we'll get to the uh, news. Maybe little, they don't sing. Lots to talk about. No, no, no. It, no to be fair, uh, I, I, I can't believe these words are leaving my mouth. They're fantastic. <laughs> well, this is the guy that liked O-Town. Too. I was going to say fabulous. Um... <laughs> I was going to go see Rent and the Jonas Brothers back-to-back just to cement my... That's quite a day. Well, it's part of my rock and roll lifestyle, Tim. It's part of being the morning show host at Rock 101 KUFO. Um, the Jonas Brothers are... Look, it's not like I'm going to sit around and listen to it all the time, but they're, relatively speaking, they're kind of the real deal because they, you know, they do... I mean, they sing, they do... you Because know, that, what, what's his name? The, the middle Jonas kid or whatever his name is? Like, he was on Broadway when he was like eight or something. Uh, so, and I think actually two of them were on Broadway. So I think it's, they're not like a, like a total creation. Here's the thing. Here's where they get me, though, with the Jonas Brothers. Here's where they try to sucker guys like me in. Because... They, you know, they're on Disney and all, you know. Are they and, and all Jonases? They, all, they are all Jonases. They're, they're three They're three dreamy brothers from wherever. Um, but there's the three uh, dudes that come out, and they, you know, and they, and they have some of the songs which they wrote themselves, but their other songs are all written with what's-his-name from Fountains of Wayne and Tinted Windows. That ad, The guy who wrote That Thing You Do, 
The guy who wrote the song "That Thing You Do" and he wrote Stacy's mom uh, for Fountains of Wayne. He co-wrote uh, co- uh, co-writes a lot of the uh, Jonas Brothers stuff. So that's uh, where it almost becomes quasi tempting for me because I'm such a fan of that, like, that cheap trick kind of power pop thing. Anyway, so I almost went to see the Jonas Brothers and I did not. Uh, the tickets would have been free, by the way. But I was proven right because I told Susan Reynolds who had to go because of her kids. Um, so that's one of the things you get to look forward to if you impregnate somebody. You get to see the Jonas Brothers or whatever their variant will be in the future. I told her it was like two to one that they would play a Michael Jackson song. And sure enough, the opening act, whoever they were, opened with Pretty Young Thing. So there you go. At the news desk, ladies and gentlemen, it's Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. So this news just keeps coming in fast and furious. First of all, good morning, everyone. 644, nice sunny week coming up. Highest near 80 today. Los Angeles police are calling Michael Jackson's doctor a person of interest in connection with the pop star's sudden death. Cardiologist Conrad Murray was caring for Jackson the day he died. So we have some uh, fresh sound here. This just from moments ago on the Today Show, Jackson's manager Frank Dilio explains how Dr. Murray came to work for Mr. Jackson. The promoter... AEG did not go out and hire Dr. Murray. This was a request from Michael. This was his doctor who he wanted put into the touring budget to be paid. Uh, Dr. Murray has cared for Michael Jackson for many, many years. Dr. Murray has been Michael's physician for a while. I met him through Michael who asked me to ask the promoters to hire him for the tour because he felt that he needed a doctor on the road. This is confusing. It's very difficult to try. And doesn't Dr. Murray, doesn't that sound like somebody that like your uh, like your great aunt who lives in Yonkers would be going to get in the call Dr. Murray, I've got the vapors. So Dilio denies reports that he was in the house when Jackson collapsed on Thursday. I got a call. There was an ambulance in front of his house. I got in my car. I went there and the ambulance passed me as I was coming up. So I was not in the house, and I haven't been in the house since. This is mm. this is going to be like the it opposite. It makes me wonder. That's, me too, Tim. This is going to be like the inverse of that Woodstock syndrome where like 9 million people claim they were there. This is going to be where like no one claims they were in the house. Everybody says, no, I was down getting some smokes at the, uh, the 7-Eleven. Everybody, you mark my words, everybody will have been absent. Uh, because do we even know who made the 911 call? Who was that guy? The, the, it wasn't the doctor, doctor made right? the, No, it wasn't the doctor who made the call. But who was it? Nobody has identified that That's person. what I'm saying. How weird is that, that nobody has even... Like, they played that 911 call a thousand times this weekend, and yeah. nobody has said, the 911 call made by so-and-so, no one has said it. No one knows who it is. And you think that somebody in the Jackson family would recognize the voice and say, oh, yeah, that's uh, that's Ted, or whatever. Yeah, that's but Pete. Nobody yet. Nobody knows. So, all right, here's uh, Tim Riley. So from the uh, BET Awards last night, uh, Janet Jackson uh, made this tearful remark. My entire family wanted to be here tonight, but uh, it was just too painful. So uh, they elected me to speak with all of you. So Joe beat me until I agreed to come here and speak to you. But I'd I'd just like to say that to you, Michael is an icon. To us... Michael is family. Uh, I have Sounds to say, good but, you know, but she looked good though. I have to say, Janet. Uh, she, and she is, fluctuates. Is she, she in a good spell? Uh, yeah, she has. Well, you know, here's the thing that here's what makes Janet Jackson look good right now, in my opinion, is that um, 
she had so much weird plastic surgery where it's like there was too little of her face. Like her face, she got that Tila tequila face where it was all tiny. Mm-hmm. Um, but she has actually put on just a little bit of weight, which actually did it fill it out a little bit more. Her face has just filled out a, just enough that you can that it it hides the fact that she had too much of it removed. That's the thing. It, it doesn't look like she has too little skin on her face, which is which is kind of what she looked like for a while. Here's uh, Tim Riley. Uh, the dad, Joe Jackson, could barely hold back the tears. How you doing, sir? How's the family holding up? I'm great. My fa- <laughs> <laughs> I'm awesome. I've never been better. Jesus. All right. Uh, you know, and uh, I just don't even know where to begin with all this. Uh, first of all, where do the Jacksons, uh, Joe and whatever, uh, the, the, Catherine, the, the grandparents, where do they live? Is it California? Vegas. No, they live in Vegas. They live in they Vegas? I believe so, yes. Is the whole Jackson compound in Vegas? In Vegas. And That's then they ha- they still have the place in Encino for some reason. So they have a place in California, Encino, but they spend most of their time in Vegas. I wonder where Debbie Rowe lives. And Jackson must have been a California resident, though. Well, he was renting that house for $100,000. Yeah, the one in Bel Air or wherever. Because it makes you wonder, like, what are the by what state's laws will all of this be adjudicated? Because that, that probably plays into, are the kids going to go to the grandparents? Which just sounds more insane every time I say it. Yes. Or are they going to go to Debbie Rowe? Not like that seems any better. What with her comparing herself to being pregnant like a horse. <laughs> I mean, which is, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, and then we don't. And then is, have we have we yet figured out that who the third kid's uh, no. mom is? No, nobody knows that. Because it's an anonymous donor, right? Yes. Well, an anonymous or surrogate. surrogate. Yeah. And there, yes. She, let's just, keep, let's just keep track of the seed here. So Debbie Rose says the first two kids she had, but that the sperm came from somebody else. Mm. The third kid... Nobody knows who the mom is. That's a dangling baby. That yes, that's the one that that's blanket. That's blanket. Yeah. That's the kid that he hung over the balcony. Is that a male or a female? That is a boy. Because I think that's Prince Michael too. Yes, yes, yes it is. So if anything happens to the first prince, he is next in line. For he's the, the understudy child. He's um, like the Prince Harry of the Jackson clan. He's, he's yes. He's the he's he's like the uh, he's the the. Um, the Hank to the Ricky Tiki Tembo No Cyrembo, uh, that is uh, the first Prince Michael. So that kid, though, the final kid, nobody knows who the mom is. And then if Debbie Rowe is right about the first two kids not being Michaels, then nobody that kid might have a different dad. In other words, the third kid might be from two totally different parents altogether. So he might not be related to Michael. But it doesn't matter. I mean, it's not, it's not like there's anything wrong with not being a biological kid. I'm just saying mm-hmm. it's one thing if the kid is adopted. You know, it, it, because this is sort of where Michael was like sort of insisting that the kids were his. That's the that's the weirdness. It's not like there's anything wrong with it, but it's just strange because it's such a it's such a turnaround in what the story was that he told everybody. So, you know, it's weird. that And it was strange that Debbie Rowe points out that she and Michael never had the sex because didn't you just assume that was the case? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, just uh, look I mean, at it, those the, it, the two of them. It was like, you know, if he had sex with Tanya Harding. <laughs> <laughs> she does kind of look like that. That's what I was thinking. They're the same type. You know how sometimes we'll say, like, so-and-so is who would play so-and-so in the movie? In other words, uh, you know... She's an older Bristol Palin. Well, you'll... Sometimes we'll say that, like, you know, somebody is a better-looking version of somebody else. So I'll say, like, well, you know, he's the guy that Matt Damon would play in the movie, uh, implying that the other guy is not quite as uh, much of a looker as Matt Damon. You know what it is? Tanya Harding would play uh, Debbie Rowe in the movie of Debbie Rowe's life. So that lets you know where the relative attractive scale uh, works with those. All right, let's do uh, one more here, and then we will uh, get caught up on the uh, other side. Uh, Liza Minnelli, who was sloshed in a big mess on Larry King Friday night. (laughs) Awesome. 
as one would expect her to be, she has that, that wig and the eyebrows, and once they put them on her or whatever else, they don't show anything her. below that. She, I mean, she is a mess. Don't ask me how she's lived this long. But she says, quote, all hell will break loose when the autopsy report is revealed. Like, she's a good source for information. You know, all those who knew him well really know what he was like. And I'm sure that now the accolades are going, and I'm sure when the autopsy comes, uh, all hell's going to break loose. So... Thank God we're celebrating him now. Have another drink. That's great. Excellent. Well, it's like half booze, half Botox. I mean, that's what happens when you do both at once when you're Liza Minnelli. It's like you can't move your mouth, and when you do, it's really just Don't gibberish. move your head. That wig will fall off. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, straight ahead, uh, we have more from Tim Riley as well as Jim Roop joining us uh, from Siena Radio, Los Angeles, with the latest on this old angled skein of affairs. Christy Turnquist of the Oregonian joining us at 720 as well. Stay there. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. KUFO Portland. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program, live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Thank you for joining us. In mere moments, we will talk with Cena Radio correspondent James Roop from Los Angeles, who is following the cornucopia of weird uh, that is the Michael Jackson case. I mean, how is it? Con- it doesn't even seem possible that as weird as that guy was while he was alive, he has gotten exponentially more so in just like the last uh, four days. Uh, coming up at 7.20, we'll talk to pop culture writer for the Oregonian, Christy Turnquist. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, and coming up later on, Sarah Dillon's top five soft rock songs uh, of all time. We are going to take this opportunity, by the way, uh, if you are caller 10 right now at 503-228-4101, 503-228-4101, you will score yourself a pair of tickets to see The Creature from the Black Lagoon. This is the uh, restored 35 millimeter print, which is opening July 3rd at the Hollywood Theater. And here's the great thing about it. It's going to be uh, in the original 3D uh, because it was, I think, the first wide-release 3D film. I think it might have been the first mainstream 3D movie that came out. But at the time, it's the, the, the technology to project it in theaters, it took like three different cameras and the whole thing. Anyway, it, it was so expensive that almost nobody did it. Uh, and so after just, I think, a short while, the film was redone, you know, sort of restruck as a 2D film. The point is, it's a restored 35-millimeter print of Creature from the Black Lagoon in 3D at the Hollywood Theater starting uh, this week weekend, July 3rd. If you're caller 10 right now at 503-228-4101, you'll win yourself a pair of tickets uh, to see that. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from Los Angeles. CNN radio correspondent and man about town, James Roop. Hello to you, sir. Hey, good morning. Did you get any rest at all this weekend? Uh, I, I got a little. You know, not not as much as I would have liked. Let me uh, just ask you, before we get to just the latest round of inanities and insanities regarding Michael Jackson and his various facets. Um, so to whatever extent you can, describe to us what your Thursday afternoon was like. I mean, how did? what was the sort of the TikTok, as they say, for you? Well, I was coming back from the Farrah Fawcett, Farrah Fawcett uh, wreath laying and interviewing people along the Hollywood Walk of Fame at her star. And as I got back to the bureau, and I got a call from uh, my boss saying, "You got to get out to UCLA Medical Center. We hear Michael Jackson's in the hospital, and he may be dead." And I said, "Shut up! I mean, you have to be kidding." Right. Um, they said no. So I, I headed out there, and as I got there, uh, 
word of that started to trickle around, and we uh, was the people started coming up and coming up. And I, you know, I'm thinking, you know, this is another Michael Jackson thing. You know, a little publicity maybe for the upcoming concert tour, maybe his, you know, frail little butt collapsed because he was working too hard or whatever it may be. But he'll be out in a couple of minutes. Um, it didn't turn out to be that way. More, I mean, more and more black uh, escalades and cars kept coming up and uh, people that looked as if they were members of Jackson's family because they had us pretty far off. Right. Um, going in, the police cordoned off every part of that hospital, including the ambulance entry. So I went, okay, something really newsworthy is happening here. And then it just sort of, we started getting word that, yes, he was dead. I couldn't independently confirm that, so I wasn't allowed to say it until I could actually confirm it myself. And then once it was confirmed, it was just unbelievable. And then these little memorials started springing up everywhere. And you take a look at the faces of people, and if they weren't crying, they were just staring. Right, I just mean, shocked. What are you telling me? And uh, it was that kind of uh, ethereal, surreal um zombie stare that and and it was that way for 36 straight hours and i mean and and the stuff that has unfolded just over the weekend is i mean tim and i just talking about how it every single time we try to get to two or three jackson stories we go to the pile and find that there's 15 more so do we first things first do, do we know who made uh, this 911 call was it the doctor was we it don't somebody know the else? guy's name no we don't know who the guy was that's on that call the doctor you can hear in the background uh, talking to the guy as he's as he's asking the doctor, hey doctor, you know what happened? Because the 911 operator saying, well, what happened? Right. Um, but the doctor was performing CPR at the time the phone call was was made, and the doctor told the LAPD detectives over the weekend that he did not, as speculation had been saying, uh, give Jackson a dose of Demerol or any other painkiller in the minutes before his death. He didn't even prescribe medications to him. But the L.A. County coroner told us on Friday that prescription drugs were found uh, in Jackson's home. He wouldn't tell us what kind. But we also know in the 90s, Michael Jackson even admitted himself he was addicted to painkillers. Right. So, and all through his molestation trial in 2005, we know that he was medicated to a, a degree. And so, the nanny you know, we're not going to know anything definitively for another month, probably. But now you have the Jackson family with their independent pathologist out there. You have... Um, all this rumor speculation, now Al Sharpton's in town to try and preserve the legacy of the King of Pop, as he told us yesterday at LAX. So it's it's a, it's quite a strange event, but one that it looks like Joe Jackson is enjoying. Well, that's we had the, the sound of him at the, at the BET Awards. Yeah. Somebody's like, how are you doing? He's like, I'm fantastic, uh, which I think was the actual quote that came out of his mouth. And then he, you know, a reporter was trying to talk to him about, you know, this is everything that's happened over the last week. And I think Joe Jackson talked about five seconds before he went into uh, pimping some sort of Blu-ray uh, DVD company that some guy who was standing with him owned uh, that he wanted everybody to know about. The guy, that guy's just so weird. And I mean, we all had just assumed he was dead. I mean, I'd even thought about that guy in in forever. But now they're talking. Here's a strange thing. Let me now, ask. Now the the, uh, the Jackson nanny tells the Times of London she pumped his stomach many times after he overdosed. Yeah, well, you know, we're going to be seeing a lot of that. I mean, I, I saw an attorney talking yesterday. I've never heard of. It says the Jackson family attorney. Well, in the. 20-plus years I've been covering this guy. I've never seen this dude my entire life. Plus, he looked like he was 15. So, 
And I'm thinking, what? What are you? And he's talking about how, you know, Catherine and Joe have the kids and they're the greatest grandparents ever. You know, and we all know that Catherine and Joe have the kids right now. We know that. So you're not telling me anything new. But it was it's all these people are coming out of the woodwork and we're getting at all this stuff going on. So honestly, I'll tell you, we, for the rest of our lives, we will never know exactly the story of Michael Jackson, exactly probably the, what happened, led up to the moment. We know, we'll know what killed him, but we won't know how that all happened because no one's going to admit it, first of all. Or, or the stories are going to be so elaborate because everybody wants their 15 minutes right. trying to make a buck off of it that all the stories are going to be slightly different so everybody has their own angle. Does he have a will? They can't find one. <laughs> God. Now, we were told he had one, and another attorney of his was talking about how, yes, there is one, but the attorney who has the will uh, was out of town. He's just getting back into town. You can't be kidding me. This guy died Thursday. He's just now getting back in town with the will. Um, I, so I don't know what to believe. I, all I know is I'm going to go out to Jackson's family's home and sit there until Al Sharpton comes out and saves the world by telling us when the funeral is going to be. Well, they keep talking well, about PTO next week, damn it. And they keep talking about how uh, how Joe and Catherine Jackson, uh, you know, might get custody of the kids. You know, there might be this fight with Debbie Rowe or whatever. But first of all, they're they're in their 80s, and also it is pretty well established, especially by Michael himself, that Joe Jackson at least was an abusive parent. So I I can't imagine some court's going to hand them the kids. I mean, permanently, anyway. Yeah, I, I don't know how this because Debbie Rose signed off parental rights. She signed them off at the divorce. I don't know. I don't know how that carries over at the demise of the guy to whom she signed them off. Right. But um, I don't know if it defaults to the parents of the decedent, or if it, or if she, because she's the mother. If she really is truly the DNA tagged mother, then maybe she gets them. I don't know. Uh. I mean, this is this is. This is so weird, and this will this will take me through the summer. <laughs> well, at least Billy Mays didn't pass away in Los Angeles. I was going to say, yeah. Uh, yeah I mean, it, it, really, I mean, the good news is you can look at your Franklin Covey planner or whatever, and you can already plot it out all the way through the end of September. You can just uh, Jackson, and then just a big arrow carrying it forward. I think what would be cool, and I talked about this yesterday, if I were. Al Sharpton of the Jackson family, I'd say, you know what, we already have that venue in London. We already have sets built. Let's do this worldwide celebration from there. And then CNN will say, let's send Roop to London to cover that. I'll be, uh, I'll be all over that one. You ought to just sort of send out a press release that it's going to happen. That's what everybody else seems to be doing. Just announce that it's the truth. And then announce... Well, is, that, is that what people are saying? Why? No, I'm just saying everybody sort of seems to be... You know, you ought to just announce that you're oh, all... Oh, yeah, that's what's going to happen. Announce that you're also the Jackson family lawyer. That seems okay. to be the other thing everybody is saying. I have a law degree, but I'm another one of the attorneys that represents the Jackson family. Excellent. All right, my friend. Have a, uh, have a fantastic, if somewhat busy day. We'll talk to you very soon. All right, boss. There you go. That's Jim Roop, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. All right. Yeah, there you go. Straight ahead, we will talk to Christy Turnquist, pop culture writer from the Oregonian. Also, more news uh, from Tim Riley on the way. Coming up uh, at uh, 8 o'clock, we'll have Sarah Dillon's top five soft rock songs of all time. We're also going to be giving away a copy of Joey Kramer from Aerosmith, his new uh, autobiography and autographed edition. Could be yours. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Rick Emerson. Maybe he is hot. I don't know. Maybe it's all this vampire sex that's getting to my head. I don't know. The Rick Emerson Show returns. This is Rock 101. And good morning to you. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. It's uh, Monday morning right here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It's 503-228-4101. 503 503- 
228-4101. Coming up later on in the show, we'll have Sarah Dillon's top five soft rock songs uh, of all time. And uh, Tim Riley, what headlines are we following uh, on this Monday morning? Well, Farrah Fawcett's funeral will be tomorrow in L.A. Ed McMahon's was already held yesterday. And the cleaning world mourns the death of Billy Mays, the oxy... Cleaning man. Really, everybody's dance card is very full this week. What with the uh, what with the relentless dying and all, and then we've got some uh, truly. I don't even say it's disturbing. It's just this is odd Jackson news, uh, and this is the thing of the Vegas and the yeah. disguises and the construction workers and the humping. What? Yeah, Spending all, time it, in rat infested motels <laughs> with construction workers. Getting it on with some guy from the village people. All right. Uh, so that's uh, unbelievably we're not making any of that up. Phone calls. And the and the 911 from, from McDonald's. Oh, that's the is that the uh, the Clackamas thing? Yeah, Clackamas McDonald's. Awesome. All right. That's all uh, straight ahead. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson show from the Oregonian pop culture writer extraordinaire back after a uh, vacation of a uh, short period of time, Christy Turnquist. Hello. How are you today? Well, I'm fine, but it's like I was saying, I leave town for a few days and and celebrities start dropping like flies. You got to be that's why we try to stay on the air just as long as possible because as soon as we walk out of the studio, then suddenly bam, Farrah Fawcett, you know. Uh, and and it is I mean, in the space of like 36 hours, it was straight I think everybody had the same reaction. Everybody thought it was a hoax for some reason. I mean, which I guess is just proof of, A, how much we were unprepared for the idea that Michael Jackson was going to die, and B, how prepared we were for the idea that he might be pulling some sort of flim flammery on yeah. us, that there's so much hype with that guy. Yeah. Because I think we all went to the conclusion that, well, it's just a stunt, or, you know, it's, it's for the London thing. Yeah. And then, uh, and then no, not so much. Not so, so much. Although, apparently, there's still, you know, people out there in the blogosphere who are convinced that this whole thing is a hoax and that he's really alive and well and hanging with Elvis. Actually, uh, Peter Carl. Carlin. <laughs> Carlin sent me uh, Peter Carlin sent me an email over the weekend. He's like, dude, I mean, I'm not saying it's true, but how awesome would it be if it was a publicity stunt and he just turned up at the O2 Arena? Wouldn't that be righteous? And it really would. I mean, it's not, probably not going to happen, but I, I used to tell people that I, that given the choice, if I was able to choose between Elvis actually turning up alive at this point or like the conclusive uh, uh, you know, existence of aliens being proven, I would go with Elvis, hands down, <laughs> just to sort of see how people would react to it. I mean, just, because that was so much, I mean, it's been supplanted by a lot of other things, but that was the default tabloid fodder for years and years, was oh, Elvis yeah. secretly alive. And I just so desperately wanted that to be true. You know what I mean? So, um, But the other thing is, then, who, who, who are the original owners of these bodies that autopsies are being conducted on if it's not the famous people? Who, oh, you who can died. get a body, Christy. Don't. <laughs> Uh, look, I don't want to give. I don't, I don't want to go I don't. I don't want to give specifics away in the air. But let's just say a body can be found if you really need one. That's a that's what? a thing that's easier to uh, to come into possession of than one might imagine. That's another story. Then. So I'm told. We'll talk about that <laughs> sounds, later. Sounds intriguing. Hey, so let's talk about this uh, this Twilight article you wrote uh, for this is in today's Oregonian. It's the front page of the How We Live section. Yes, indeed. So who is this this guy that I'm looking at? Is this that's what Solomon Trimble? So- Solomon Trimble, who was. Who is, say, who is a, a Portlander? Although at the moment he is, uh, he's in an internship program um, in Atlanta, and he is uh, he plays uh, Sam, who is the friend of Jacob, yeah. brother of Esau, or it's whatever. Sort, it's, in sort of a, it's sort of a complicated story. I mean, originally he was offered the part of Sam, who who as the Twilight Saga continues becomes the leader of the Wolf Pack. You know, these sort of uh, members of the tribe who are also able to turn into wolves, um, and then. He wound up sort of not getting recast for this movie, 
And even though he signed on to play Sam, um, he said in the end credits he noticed when he went to the premiere screening that his character's name was now Jacob's Friend. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, that he hurts. Said, That's kind of a lesson learned. Other guy. <laughs> and then they actually replaced him with somebody else. Yeah, although he says he's he's cool with it. No, he, he's, sure he's, he's ecstatic about it. Yeah. Well. Sure, sure, sure it's the best news he's ever heard. <laughs> hey, we've replaced you. That's awesome. That's great. I'd much rather be obscure. Thanks so much. So I have to say he's sort of off-puttingly pretty. Uh, Which one is this he? guy? Look at this uh, it's in front of the uh, How We Live section. Today's oh, Oregonian. Yeah. He has yeah, done modeling. Hot. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yes. Yeah. So. He's an interesting guy, though. He has lots of ambitions to do good works. Apparently, he spends a lot of time writing poetry, Sarah. So oh. he's uh, he's not just pretty; he's also deep. He thinks Never about stuff. Me. So he lives in Portland. Yeah. Is yeah. he uh, one of the guys who's going to be doing this? So, so what's the deal with this baseball game or this softball game at the Twilight? Well, cast? I yeah, I don't have all the details in front of me, but it's a it's a fundraiser, I guess, for the Make a Wish Foundation, and it's going to include um, not only the local people who played, you know, some of the smaller roles in Twilight, but uh, some people from the higher tiers on the cast cast roles um peter fasanelli who played you know dr cullen otherwise known as father of hunky edward he's going to be there um let's see i don't know if i'm pronouncing his name right but eddie gatagi who played laurent um who was also big love on house you may remember him as big love hmm. um he's gonna be there and um let's see rochelle lefebvre who plays victoria I'm just, you know, oh, you're talking cool. about what's yeah. his name, Dr. Cullen, the guy who's the head of the vampire family. We were talking during the break about how they don't really dress for invisibility, uh, you know, in, in that in that movie. It's not like they're yeah. big on the blending in, which you think they would be because they're vampires and all. You think they would at least have the the foresight to wear, like, contact lenses or something so that occasionally you don't look <laughs> over and go, ah, you know, because the, what's his name? Because Edward's eyes have just turned jet black while he's looking at you. <laughs> Edward, you've got something in your eye. It's a huge black circle. <laughs> Uh, and also the fact that what's his name the the the, the uh, you know the the head of the the Cullen family Dr. Cullen I always go back to how much he looks like um, James Spader's uh, depiction of the the drug dealer Rip in the movie Less Than Zero. Oh, I hadn't even thought. Like of if you that. were to take Rip and just uh, sort of put him in like a, a vest instead of a trench coat, <laughs> you know, and take him out of it, you know, instead of dealing blow to Robert Downey Jr., he's just busy siphoning blood from somebody in the you know in forks or whatever. Uh, you know, he would he would totally be that guy. So <laughs> that's a comforting thought. Uh, well, what was so it was all it was all Transformers kind of all the time uh, this weekend at the box office. That's a Amazing. I mean, you know, clearly talk about a review proof movie. The Ebola virus virus got better reviews than this movie, but it still went on to do this gonzo business as, as you know, Tim reported earlier in five days, it made just over two hundred million dollars. And I swear to God, I, I guess people don't care what critics say. People like to see things <laughs> clanking around. That's really the uh, that's how you alien robots. And it's so successful that now they've announced another movie based oh, on a God. Hasbro action figure called Stretch Armstrong. Let's all hold our breaths waiting for that one. What exactly would a Stretch Armstrong uh, film uh, consist of? Sarah's probably too. Do you remember Stretch Armstrong? I do. I do the toy, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just, I mean, Tim, you know, and I are from the, uh, we're from the uh, the time where you would have it. My cousin had a Stretch Armstrong. Like, like all things, I didn't have it, but my bastard cousin had one. Um and he was my cousin, in fact, not only had everything I wanted, he, in fact, had duplicates because occasionally he would have relatives that for Christmas or whatever would like they would buy him the same toy. And rather than, oh, I don't know, taking pity on a relative who didn't get those things, he would just keep both of them because he would inevitably break one of them because he was just a big, clumsy ass of, of a kid. And 
I remember him having the Stretch Armstrong, and even then, I just so desperately had the desire to cut it open to see what was inside of it. Mm. I mean, that's the, that's like every. I mean, that's got to be in the movie at some point. There's got to be wow. some reference to the fact that you want to hack it open because all kids wanted to see what lurked inside there. I think you should do a treatment. Hey, submit it. Let me ask you this. Sounds <laughs> like somebody's write the screenplay. beating me to the punch. They're going to have Etcher sketch the movie next. And what about this? Well, this is called Wooden Block. Uh, it's a trilogy that I'm going to be releasing over seven years. Hey, do you remember Stretch Armstrong having some his sidekick friend that was like a green reptile? You know, I got to say, I was with the Barbie. I was playing with Barbies. I know, it's no. girly. All right. Well, it's girly. No. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> so other than... Other I could than talk Christ, at length about Barbies ensembles, but you probably don't want to hear that. It doesn't seem like there should have been a Barbie feature film at there some point. should have been. It seems like it, we're, we're at the point where that ought have, that should have already been released. I'm kind of surprised that there isn't a Barbie Unless film, actually. Unless you consider the Sex and the City movie kind of a Barbie feature film, which in a way it kind of was. I'm telling you, mark my words, there will be a gem feature film. Oh, I know. I, I mean, know. like in the next five years, probably, you'll see that that's in Sooner than that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, nothing else really came out uh, this uh, this week, did it? Um, uh, well, let's see. Well, actually, the counter programming for uh, for the Transformers, you know, giant alien robots, male skewing kind of movie was My Sister's Keeper, which was the Cameron Diaz Weeper. It didn't do so well. It opened at number five and it made twelve million, which was not so hot because apparently the counter programming female audience preferred to go see Ryan Reynolds in the proposal. And I swear to God. I was not a big Ryan Reynolds fan until I saw that Entertainment Weekly cover, and now my heart is palpitating. Well, he is a dreamboat. <laughs> All right, oh I my guess, God, I guess cover. I've been outvoted on that. He just—he <laughs> looks sort of sleazy on the, the, the because oh, that's what no. he's. Oh, wow, <laughs> Jesus! I'm going to open a window. That's just a lot of like, look at my pelvic bones. Oh yeah. <laughs> Well, he, he didn't crop the photos. I, no, 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 I, no, no, no. But he's got that thing where it's like his shorts are like. It's like there was some there was some waxing of a private area that had to happen. I think before he could lower his swim trunks down to oh, that level. Oh no, no, he's hairy and glorious. <laughs> I mean, look, I'm not passing judgment. I'm just saying he doesn't. I'm just saying he doesn't seem especially appealing in that photograph. But I'm not the Ryan Reynolds target demographic, clearly. So, but I like how you guys get Ryan Reynolds. I get Sandra Bullock. Like, where's the justice there? She has comedy technique. Okay. <laughs> Why do you get, I guess this is turnabout where you get like the hot uh, actor who's all greased up in the front of a magazine and I get the person who who can act. <laughs> I get the person with ability and charisma. Yeah, all see, right. now that's what it feels like. All right, we're running uh, <laughs> uh, terribly behind here. So let's, uh, well, let's do this. Let's, uh, let's uh, wrap up the rest of the uh, right. the box office here. Well, The Hangover, obviously still doing really well. It made just a little bit over $17 million for the third third position and up giant blockbuster about 13 million it's made over 250 million dollars so far and that is is reassuring in this transformers world that a good movie is actually making buckets of money um and then we have my sister's keeper with that disappointing 12 million every time i say my sister's keeper i just think of the movie the other sister uh which is oh, juliet lewis, lewis drooling a lot so oh dear all right uh <laughs> reader and print of the oregonian are online at oregonlive.com christy turnquist thank you so much all thank right you. there you go back after this tim riley has truly disturbing michael jackson news for you and a uh, phone call that could only come from Clackamas. It is the Rick Emerson Show. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is Monday morning. The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Putting the cult in pop culture. Greetings, Optimus Prime. <laughs> I am Mega Chest. The Rick Emerson Show returns. That's what I'm talking about. Oh. It was part of the alternative nation era, Sarah. It was a simpler time. 
And then so occasionally complete. you'd wait to see because he would start with a 25-pound weight, Jim Rosewood, and then... Uh, then he would go to a, like a 30-pound weight and a 50-pound weight, and you were waiting to see exactly how much weight one's area uh, can sustain before there's Ripping. a rending. Yes. Yes. Speaking of rent, uh, before something separates from something else. Uh, the Jim Rose Circus Sideshow. That was a, uh, I mean, I think they were there in the first three Lollapalooza tours, something like that. And that was a guy, that wasn't actually Jim Rose himself. That was a guy who was named Mr. Lifto. Uh, and I think he actually was a clown now that I think about it. I think Jim Rose's thing, I'm trying to remember if he was the guy that ate light bulbs. Now oh, it's all very, up now. and it's all, uh, I do remember that there was a guy who would, how do I put this? Uh, there was a guy who would consume various beverages. He would, for example, drink a beer. Followed by drinking some Pepto Bismol, followed by drinking a glass of milk, and then uh, he would bring somebody up from the audience, and they would request a, a specific beverage, and he would give it back to them in a glass. Because he had I some. I have seen him. He, see, that's what I've. Okay, I know exactly what you're talking about. Because he had some like weird cow stomach thing, where he had the ability to just uh, stash all the various liquids in different parts of his stomach, and then he could just give you back whichever uh, whichever oh. you wanted. And I think that there was a prize if you would then drink it. Anywho. Uh, <laughs> If you are caller 10, haven't I made it sound appealing? If you're caller 10 right now, it's 503 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. You'll win a pair of tickets to see the Jim Rose Circus Sideshow uh, versus Jake the Snake Roberts. Uh, wrestling legend Jake the Snake Roberts featuring, I swear to God it says this, featuring wrestling, amazing circus stunts, and a fist fight. <laughs> Live at the Wonder Ballroom July 7th, 21 and over. Unsurprisingly, uh, the Jim Rose Circus versus Jake the Snake Roberts that is happening at the uh, live at the Wonder Ballroom July seventh. It is twenty one and over. But if you are caller ten right now at five zero three two two eight four one one, you, ladies and gentlemen, uh, will be going to see that with a loved one who may or may not still be a loved one at evening's end. Five zero three two two eight four one zero one at the news desk. It's your personal savior, Tim Ryan. <laughs> In the news with Tim Riley. 748, good morning everyone. Sunny day today, high temperatures will be near 80. A guy's in trouble for repeatedly calling 911 to report he was unhappy with his burger order at McDonald's in Clackamas County. He made a series of phone calls to try to get the police to come. At one point, he said, somebody from McDonald's had a gun pointed at his head. Send a cop right now. So he was unhappy with he was what he was just he didn't unhappy feel with his burger order. Was, they huh. he orders something they give it to him he feels that it, it is not exactly what he's looking for That's and so correct. he's yes. being from Clackamas he's in the habit of calling nine one one all the time anyway yeah and so he goes right to that he chooses it, it's a McDonald's at eighty second and Sunnyside Road which I'm, screams I'm, class I'm, I'm shocked. <laughs> Like dining in Paris. Which is like, <laughs> so then he lied and said that there was a gun held to yes, his head? Because they wouldn't send the cop the first two times he called. Are the, so I, is the number 82 just cursed or something? Is that like a whole Indian burial ground kind of a deal? Like you can just make something uh, bad by, by calling it 82nd? All right. Well, so, so we have uh, three of the phone calls edited so they're family friendly as much as they can be. 911, emergency. Okay, now I have a problem. Like, I'm, I'm not sure whether or not you've heard this conversation already, but seriously, I pulled into McDonald's. I pulled in to get my order. Okay. Get my order and everything. Seriously, the lady who didn't, you know, who took my order, she didn't get my order right. So she okay. tells us. Yeah. So are you calling 911 because you didn't get your order right at McDonald's? I'm dead 
Okay, stop. Listen, 911 is for life or death emergencies only. By you calling 911, you can be arrested for... Sir, listen to me. Sir, listen to me. Stop. Sir, you can be arrested for misuse of 911. Listen to me. Okay, I will send you an officer, but you're going to go to... Do you want to go to jail? Okay. Send a cop. I have no... There's an officer on the way there. Listen to me. 911 is for life and death emergencies. Oh, please tell me he was tased. Please tell me there was a tasing. So he calls again. Okay. What? Go right there. You have reached Clackamas County 911. Do not hang up. If you are at a McDonald's, please press 1. I'm at, I'm at McDonald's. McDonald's. 911, what's the location of your emergency? Uh, I'm on uh, Clackamas, uh, 82nd and uh, <laughs> it's a, it's a given. 75 Road. Okay, what's going on there? Is this the same uh, operator? I was at a McDonald's. I paid $10, and these guys gave me one burger and a fry and told me to pull around. Okay, sir, that's, this is not a 911 emergency. Let me get you to and, Sir, this is nothing the police are going to get involved in. You need to take it up with the manager of the McDonald's. Uh, I'm, I'm sitting outside right now. I'm okay, you need to, sir, this is not a police matter. You need to take it up with the manager of the McDonald's. I'm going to disconnect. I got robbed for my money. Sir, you did not get robbed. I'm going to disconnect with you now. And one oh. more call. Here we oh, go. That's fantastic. Here's the last one. 911, what's the location of your emergency? What's going on there? Nothing but the best. I was at McDonald's. I gave these guys $10. They gave me one burger and a fry and told me to park. Sir, I believe you just talked to my partner a moment ago, and he advised you this is not a 911 emergency. This is a 911 emergency. I got robbed <laughs> for $8. Okay, sir, 911 is life and death only. If you do continue calling 911, you will be arrested for misuse. Well, arrest me at 82nd and Sunnyside Road. Please arrest me right now. I swear to God, all my life. Please send a cop right now. You cannot tell me I can call 911 and not get a cop right here. Sir, you can tell me I can't get a cop right here at 82nd and Sunnyside Road. I was. No, that is awesome. Oh my Thank God. you, Jeremy Martin. You're under arrest. So do, is oh, I it, need to see what this guy looks like. I was like. just going to say, do we know the resolution of it? Please tell well, me he, he was, resisted. He did no, he, he did not resist. Oh, he didn't put up a fight? No. I was so hoping he'd struggled. Maybe it had to be, uh, he had to be beaten senseless. What was his name, Tim? Jeremy Martin. He sounds like a pillar of Clackamas society, Tim. Mm-hmm. Do we know if he's from Clackamas or perhaps is he visiting from Tannisporn? I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> that seemed unlikely. <laughs> so that's at the McDonald's. <laughs> At Southeast 82nd Avenue and Sunnyside Road. Excellent. Where? Who knows? Uh, perhaps. Uh, perhaps there's some free entertainment to go along with your meal. Oh, he's a strange-looking guy. Let me see. I have to. I, I must. Uh, you know what he looks like? <laughs> he looks just like the, he looks just like our friend Ian Gordon. He does. Like if Ian Gordon were a black man, he looks exa- He would look exactly like this. Sorry for saying that he's a strange guy and then going right to uh, he looks like our friend Ian Gordon. Uh, our friend Ian Gordon, with whom uh, we we worked with him at Intercom. Ian Gordon and Jeremy Martin, I think, have been uh, is a little separated at birth, uh, kind of a thing. Wow, uh, he does look a lot like Ian. Bit of a trading places uh, thing happening in that story. All right. And one more quick one. The Walla Walla man is dead after lighting himself on fire in front of a 7-Eleven. He brought a small amount of gasoline to the store in Walla Walla and set himself on fire. There's no reason why he decided to commit suicide in front of the 7-Eleven of Walla Walla. But Had he yeah. also been shortchanged on something? Perhaps he didn't receive a sufficient amount of nachos uh, be, for yes. his money? All right. But that's his way of getting even with society. <laughs> I'll show the man. A- ah, I regret this. 
All right. Straight ahead, Sarah Dillon will count down her top five soft rock songs uh, of all time. That is coming up at 8 o'clock, ladies and gentlepersons. At 8.20, uh, we will have truly disconcerting, if not altogether unsurprising, Michael Jackson news. It is uh, Portland, Oregon. The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. KUFO! Pop, pop, pop! Portland! Oh, God. Does this mean I have to pack? Lucky I don't hang anything on the wall. It is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101K UFO. Unless there's something I haven't been told. It's 503-228-4101, ladies and gentlemen. All right, coming up at 820 today, we will have news that is maybe not surprising, but I think that you're probably not prepared for on every level. Uh, Tim, what headlines are we following today? Well, an attorney for the cardiologist claims the concert promoter owes him $300,000. And now we understand a lot of people are criticizing him for uh, performing CPR on a bed. Yes. With uh, well, the then lifeless Michael Jackson. Well, he said it was a firm mattress. So he <laughs> really? shouldn't be criticized. That's, <laughs> that's what his lawyer says. Me. And ticket refunds for the London concerts will begin this week. So is it, let me say this. First, Jackson was dead and he was on like a soft springy mattress. Then within just like a day or so, he wasn't dead. He had a pulse, and also he was on like a really firm bed. It was firm. Yeah, it makes all the difference. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm yes? trying to find. I'm t- trying to find the top five theme. There it is. It disappeared. Right, from you, uh, my are hot we keys. ready? I'm all right. Ready. So we were. We had planned to do this on I think Friday, and then it was uh, the bumped by the sort of one-two punch of a uh, Farrah Fawcett, Michael Jackson. That's the real tragedy here. Is that our top five got delayed till today? Without further ado, let's uh, let's roll it. Five. Wonderful counting is marvelous. Counting's the best thing to do. Counting is happiness. Counting is ecstasy. I love to count, don't you? All right, ladies and gentlemen, for reasons that elude me now. What were we talking about for this? Is this because we had that whole discussion about Melissa Manchester and yes, Kenny yes. Rogers? Oh, it's because of Debbie Boone. It's because that whole story... Uh, oh, a, you light up my life and all that good Yeah, stuff. it was a little unpleasant, what with the raping and all. Uh, there was that story about the guy that wrote uh, You Light Up My Life, which, by the way, uh, Paddock showed me the weirdest thing later. It was this YouTube video of Patti Smith singing You Light Up My Life on that show Kids Are People Too in about 1981 or so. Like, singing it, and it was Patti Smith singing the song in its entirety while standing next to a piano at which was sitting uh, the alleged raping guy uh, who wrote oh, the song. Creepy. This is the strangest confluence of things. All right. But we got into this whole discussion about uh, soft rock, of which Sarah Dillon is an aficionado. These I are love s- me the soft rock. Sarah X. Dillon's top five soft rock songs of all time. Tim Riley? Audible mention, Heart. What about love? What about love? What about love? Is this, this soft rock? amazing, too. I think so. Let's I start- always hear it on soft rock stations. Yeah. It's certainly a power ballad. I think it probably qualifies as soft rock. Well, this is one of the most rockingest one. I wanted to start off on a high note. Starting heavy. <laughs> I know you love heart. I do. I, you know what? Here's the thing. I even love late period cheesy heart. Uh, the only exception to that is that uh, all I want to do is make love to you song, which I just can't. I can't abide that. But I know. I, I had to. Uh, I, it was between this one and that one, actually. That's a terrible song. It's I a can't, pretty bad song. I just. I can't. I can't embrace that. 
But I mean, all of those late period heart uh, hits like this and Alone and, uh, um, yeah, what is the, uh, what was the other, what was the other big hit off their self-titled, that self-titled record? Hmm. I don't really care for these dreams all that much. Yeah, I didn't have the record. I don't know. I just I knew the radio hits. But all of the, oh, never, never was the, uh, never get away, da, 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 da. that, I'm sorry, I did that. I don't think song. I know that song. Moving on. These are Sarah Dillon's top five soft rock songs of all time. Tim Riley. Number five, Stevie B, Because I Love You. This is the, uh, the Postman song? It was between Stevie B and Timmy T. Okay. This is definitely soft rock. I think did, everyone secretly loves this song. Does this guy have any other hits at all? No. Greg Nibbler, any other hits from Stevie B? And he wasn't a very attractive man either. No, he was weird looking. Tiny head, too. Mm-hmm. It was like he had a miniature. It was like someone. It was like he'd been hit with a sh- like a shrinky ray, but but only from like the neck up. It is like disproportional to his body. Yes. Okay, see, that's why I had to start off with 25 beats a minute. It's plotting and it's long. It when will we choice. get to the hook? Oh, good God Almighty. Okay, I, I can't take any more of it. Even, I never noticed he can't sing. No, he can't sing, and the song never actually oh, begins. I, no one knows. All right, I'm, I'm done with that. Tim? Number four, Michael Bolton. How am I supposed to live without you? I love Michael Bolton. Is this one of the many songs where he's walking through his apartment and he's wearing like a long-sleeved cuffed shirt with a with a, like oh, no, a jacket a over the top his, of it? And his beautifully like curly hair is all blowing in the breeze. And they're all he's always in a loft. All of his videos are him in a loft. The sun is streaming through, and then there's a fan whose sole purpose seems to be casting those rotating shadows on his face while he sort of mourns the fact that his girl has dumped him. With the breezy white linen shirt halfway buttoned. Do you like Michael Bolton? No. 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 And I have to say right now, not only do I not like Michael Bort- uh, Bolton, I never liked Michael Bolton. Not e- not then, not now, not ironically, not in a wacky way. No, there's way. no irony for my love of Michael Bolton. Here's the thing about Michael Bolton. It, it, Michael Bolton is like Melissa Etheridge in that, well, they have the same hair for one thing. And also, he it, it, like he has no middle gear. He's all with the over singing. Mm-hmm. When is the last time you really listened to He's a Melissa a Etheridge song? Oh, I don't know. I was never really a big Melissa Etheridge Boy, fan. she goes right from, like, whisper to off-putting, uh, shrieking, scraping-the-wall wail. Mm. I was in a Safeway the other day, and they were playing that Come to My Window song. No, 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 it wasn't Come to My Window. It was um, Like I Do, that the way I do. You know, that does she love you like oh. the way I love you. Her the, voice just sounds painful. It's, it's, it hurts me to listen to, just like it does with Michael Bolton. These are Sarah Dillon's top five <laughs> soft rock songs of all time. Number three, Air Supply. Making love out of nothing at all. <laughs> I know you can't argue with this one. I love this song. Nobody can quarrel with this. This is a great song. Mm-hmm. Tim, you're down with Air Supply, aren't you? Yes, I like them very much. I just love anything having to do with Jim Steinman. I could listen to this song all day. Mm-hmm, you know, here's the thing about this song that always bugs me, though. I don't know if you've ever seen the guys in Air Supply. They're two guys who cannot deliver the line, I can make all the stadiums rock, and even less convincingly can they deliver the line, I can make every tackle at the sound of the whistle. They don't really look like the linebacker uh, type. They do look like little ladies. They do. (laughs) Yes, they do. 
These are Sarah Dillon's top five soft rock songs of all time. Tim Riley? Number two, Richard Marks. Right here, waiting for you. Yes. All right. I have a sort of a I have a soft spot for this song mm-hmm. because uh, this was this was the song between myself and a special someone uh, once once upon a time. That's so cute. Yes. It was a tie between. Um, I was going to do right here waiting for you. Oh, I just totally blanked on the other one I was going to do. But anyway, so that, that, true I've... colors by Cindy Lauper. <laughs> no. This is that video where he's sitting at the piano, and then I think there's lots of sequences of him like. Picking up a phone and like it clearly rings and there's no one there and, and then he the hangs huge it up. Helmet of hair. Yeah. And then he sort of like and then he walks out of a spotlight which is directly over the payphone for some reason, just into this weird uh, amorphous blackness and then it's back to him at the piano. <laughs> it was between Richard Marks and Michael W. Smith. I remember I was going to do that. For friends forever. Yeah, friends. Wow. God, I love Richard Marks. <laughs> We should try and get him on the show. <laughs> you know his father's name? Groucho. <laughs> no. oh, I can't even do my joke now. It's uh, and it's not even a joke. I was gonna I was gonna recite a little Richard Marks factoid. His hey, father's what's his father's name. His father's name is Dick Marks. That's a that's a checkable fact, by the way. All right. These are Sarah Dillon's top five soft rock songs of all time. Tim Riley, number one, Chicago. Look away. Yes. It'll never be. Don't step on the hook, Rick. Sorry, let's see if I can talk up the hook here. I love Chicago, Tim. It was between like five Chicago songs, but I love this one. I remember it when it was playing on the radio over and over and over. And Someone's over justifying her attachment to these songs. You don't, to, you don't make any apologies to me, Sarah Dillon. You've seen what's on my uh, MP3 player. I have to say, when the uh, when our soft rock station uh, in Portland flipped, I was very upset. You were sad. I was. <laughs> I you were the target the demo. Ones? But I remember driving home from work and listening to it and flipped to a different format. Excellent. I mean, you are talking to a man who just the other day was all excited because I found on vinyl the Double Live Osmonds record uh, from 1979. And you did go and see Rent so. this weekend. And I did go to see, I did go to see uh, uh, Rent. Uh, you know you love this. <laughs> I did go to see Rent and very nearly went to see the Jonas Brothers. So really, I'm no one to make assessments. Mm. All right, straight ahead, Tim Riley has your Jackson watch for Monday. Stay there. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is Monday morning. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Well, it must be time for my nitroglycerin. My bunions hurt. This is Rock 101 KUFO. Live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, it is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-228-4101. It's Monday morning. Ladies and gentlemen at the news desk, your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. 826 going to be a beautiful sunny day today. A little bit hot, though. Highs near 80. So, Daniel Baldwin says he can bring a quarter billion dollars in revenue to the city of Portland. He's talking about moving here. He's found himself a business partner. His name is actor-producer Charles Wall. They hope to get going on at least three projects highlighting Portland and Oregon over the next year. They want a Portland-based reality show, a horror flick, and a documentary about Oregon's struggling economy. They're looking to rent or buy an airplane hangar to set up a studio. Please tell me these things will all star Daniel Baldwin. 
It doesn't say. All That's right. kind of amazing. I mean, I mean, I guess that's sort of implied. I mean, that goes without saying. If you have the chance to put Daniel Baldwin in something, but by he, God, you do he it. He alone is going to bring a quarter billion dollars in revenue to Portland. I Daniel Baldwin's here to save us all. I See, I was figuring that it just meant like in booze uh, revenue or something or, or, or drugs. Wait, isn't he the one who was it? Was he on Celebrity Rehab? Yeah, he was the bloaty uh, drug addiction one. <laughs> He was he he was into uh, bloating and blow. So I just figured that's what you meant, that there would be some sort of narcotics uh, revenue that the city might make, no. or perhaps legal fees of some kind. So that, if that you have an airplane hangar that you want to sell or rent or drugs, get in touch with Daniel Baldwin, who is going to bring a quarter billion dollars in revenue into the city of Portland or an airplane hangar full of drugs. I shouldn't we're, make we're so fun. lucky he chose us over every other city. <laughs> Why is that? I, I don't really know. And I, I shouldn't. The thing is, I shouldn't bust on him as much as I do because everybody loves Alec Baldwin, obviously. Um, the, the, the Daniel Baldwin was also, I mean, I think he's second only to Alec because he was on Homicide Life on the Street, uh, where he was one of the, the, the more compelling characters. But it, it seems like, here's the thing. It seems like Alec Baldwin has a long string of things he does. Does it seem to you like all the other Baldwins, they get the one project and then there's just nothing but vapor trail after that? Right, like Stephen Baldwin had Usual Suspects, Daniel Baldwin had Homicide, Billy Baldwin had uh, Sliver, and that's it. So the, the rest of them all got to divvy up the leftovers from Alex Plate, I think, and then there was just like there was you know there was just like nothing else uh, following that. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley. So that's something to look forward to, anyway. Don't say the Baldwins never gave the city of Portland anything. Quarter billion dollars, Tim. Top of the Jackson Watch. Here's your Jackson Watch for Monday. I know what you're thinking. Friday, too soon. Monday, just the right time. So Soon enough. Let's go down the checklist of facts. Michael Jackson's body was in terrible shape. He had only pills in his stomach when he died. Now, uh, Jackson's hips, thighs, and shoulders were riddled with needle wounds. He had uh, several broken ribs, possibly from the failed attempts to revive him on that mattress that was a hard mattress that his... Doctor did not remove him from. There were four injection sites found above or near his heart, where rescue workers reportedly shot adrenaline into his heart to try to get it going. He also had unexplained bruising on his knees and on the fronts of both shins. That's weird. Well, now with that, could, could that be though from rehearsals? Could that be from falling? Like you're it dancing? Yes. I mean, it'll be. Yeah, I mean, these guys. You know, the guys very was very skilled, but I mean, he's, you know, fifty years old, not eating. Uh, apparently, I mean, the evidence indicates high all the time and just generally frail. So it seems like maybe if you're falling and plus, if you're not eating, you know, if you're anorexic or whatever, it seems like you're probably going to bruise a lot well, more easily. Well, it said he could no longer dance. That could be part of it. I, re- I read another thing that actually said he could no longer sing. He could no longer sing. On some days, he could barely talk. Uh, he was in not any any condition to do a single concert, let alone 50. He thought he was only going to be doing 10. Uh, let's see. He became uh, so skeletal that doctors believe he was anorexic. He had nightmares about being murdered and wanted to die. He used swine flu as an excuse to avoid coming to England, and he thought he was doing 10 concerts, not 50. I did read that, by the way, that he walked out of the room thinking, 10 concerts, that's going to be great. Awesome. I can do that. Mm -hmm. And later they're like, so concert number 48 will happen on September 14th. Hmm. So let's look into some of this investigative reporting done by the Daily Mail. This is a UK newspaper. The reporter said, during the course of my investigations, I spoke to two of his gay lovers, one a Hollywood actor, the other an aspiring actor. The waiter who remained uh, 
had remained friends, perhaps more with the singer, until his death last week. He had served Jackson at a restaurant. Jackson made his uh, interest plain, and the two allegedly slept together the following night. According to the waiter, Jackson fell in love. The actor, who has uh, been given uh, solid but uninspiring film parts, saw Jackson in the middle of 2007. He told the reporter that he had spent every night together during that affair. The claim is easy to make, you might think. But the lover produced a collaboration of photographs of the two of them together. Other witnesses uh, speak of a string of young men visiting the house at all hours, even in his period of decline. Some stayed overnight. According to this report, when Jackson lived in Las Vegas, one of his closest aides told how he would sneak off to a grungy, rat-infested motel, often dressed as a woman to disguise his identity, to meet a male companion worker he'd fallen in love with. Uh, This is a a construction construction worker? worker. Yes, a construction worker. So uh, that, according to that, I just cannot imagine That's having strange. relations with Mike. It'd be like having relations with a corn cob. Yeah, I can totally. Well, maybe since he was woman. dressed as an old woman, <laughs> maybe that made him a bit more babushka. <laughs> this uh, text message just says, "Oh, no. Michael Jackson could dance if he wanted to. He could leave his friends behind." That's not too soon for that either. Uh, you get text to be like it's five two zero five one. So just to recap. Anorexic, stomach full of pills, no hair, bruised knees, covered in needle wounds, broken ribs, having sex with a construction worker while dressed with a woman in a grungy, rat-infested Las Vegas hotel. Ah, fame. There's your Jackson Watch for Monday. Look, it, it was inevitable. We had to bring it back at some point. I, it would have been conspicuous by its omission. All right, straight ahead, Tim Riley has more news for us. And uh, sometime before the top of the hour, uh, ladies and gentlemen, sometime before 9 o'clock, uh, you have a chance to win uh, tickets to the Bymart. Uh, salute to the troops' 125 NASCAR race. It's the Rick Emerson Show. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. I'm so glad I didn't look at that this weekend. That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Kushsupport.com. Uh, but we're not talking about that. We're no, I, uh, <laughs> I'm going to post it on my blog later, and I won't repeat the observation you made during the break. Oh, you can. I'm just saying, medically speaking, uh, there's a, a, a bosom-oriented product that I saw uh, a- advertised on the, on the interweb uh, here just a, uh, a few minutes ago. I'll, uh, I'll post it on my blog so people you can see to. what you're talking about. We should move on. Okay, let's move It'd forward. It'd be very awkward. Well, let me talk to you about MaxMuscle.com. I've been on the program now for about three weeks, and I've actually really been able to notice a difference in physically as well as uh, in the way I feel. More so at this point in the way I feel because I'm always you know so exhausted from waking up early. So what I do is instead of getting a carb-heavy breakfast like a bagel or something, I wake up, I eat a bowl of oatmeal, mixed with a bunch of protein and other healthy stuff. I just mix all the powders together, eat it. I'm good to go for, uh, gosh, at least like like six or seven hours. And then I head home, have a milkshake, um, just blend it up. And it's really filling. It's not one of those like Nutrisystem ones. It's all watery that all of a sudden. Well, you get that carb fatigue too if well, you're you get, just like eating much of starch. Yeah, and you get the carb fatigue. And I'm, I've always been kind of distrustful of milkshakes and that kind of stuff because it never fills me. This one absolutely works. I'm full. It's not watery. Um, if you want to start your own program, 
And see results like I am, head to maxmuscle.com and click on their store locations. And they have many locations in the Portland metro area. It's not just a diet. It's a way to change your lifestyle. Uh, Visit maxmuscle.com for more info on how to get your own program started. And you can follow my results via pictures. I'm going to be putting them on my blog very shortly here. All right, maxmuscle.com. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Oh, yeah. No, she's, uh, no, yeah, no. Daddy, daddy likes her. Ew. This is Rock 101 KUFO. All right, I've... I've posted that on my uh, website. You go to rickemerson.com, ladies and gentlemen. You can see what Sarah and I were talking about. Uh, uh, you go to rickemerson.com. It is it, so following on the heels of the comfort wipe thing uh, that we had last week. It's another product, uh, as I wrote, it's another product that seems fake, but which is apparently quite real. It is called the Cush Support. It's basically, it's just, it. there's no other way to get around this. It's shaped like a marital aid. It really is. As they described them in the South. It is shaped like a, it is shaped like a plastic phallus. Uh, and it apparently is placed, I'm speaking now, this is a... Medically. I'm speaking now medically and clinically. Thank you, Sarah. Yes, I'm speaking scientifically now. Uh, this is a product offered to consumers uh, purportedly because it provides health benefits. So we are now uh, talking and speaking and operating in the public interest, convenience, and necessity as mandated by the Federal Communications Commission. It is what looks to be a plastic cylindrical object. Oh, I don't know about the dimensions of, let's say, a cucumber uh, <laughs> that one places between one's bosoms during sleep, prompting Sarah to say, I don't wish to my... Have my bosoms separated. No, it's for uh, C-cup breasts yeah. are larger, for nursing yes. mothers, like, prevent uh, cleavage wrinkles. It's all very confusing. Anyway, you can go see that at rickemerson.com. It's, just, it's the strangest product. Yeah, it's, it's, I have the breasts, and I don't want to sleep with some giant plastic thing on the front of my chest. Show you some oh, hello. With the hell did that come from? All right. I didn't touch anything. That was God sort of cutting off the breast <laughs> discussion, I think, right there. All right, ladies and gentlemen, at the news desk, it's Tim Riley. <laughs> In the news with Gremlin on the wing of the plane. So Michael Jackson was found emaciated and bald. And that's the uh, big headline in the news today. Did you see that thing where he had the, the, the that article in the Daily, was it the Daily Mail? Yes. Uh, they said he only had, quote, peach fuzz uh, and gray at that. So he had like the very sparse gray hair. Uh, and it was it was just completely almost completely gone, and the hair he did have was very very short because he just wore uh, you know a succession of wigs, which I think we spotted a long time ago. Like you see that press conference where he was for the you know for these London um, concerts at the O2 thing, the you know the this is it press conference. I mean, he looked like he had the world's worst Ramones wig on. I mean, it was just very very unconvincing. Meanwhile. Bernie Madoff is going to rot in a prison hell for 150 years. Good for him. For masterminding that Ponzi scheme that swindled billions from investors, including some rich people. So uh, back to last night's uh, BET Awards. All of a sudden they became popular. Nobody knew about them before they were happening. But Joe Jackson was asked how he was feeling. How you doing, sir? How's the family holding up? I'm great. My family's doing pretty good. Just making sure everybody has his okay. mailing address correct. <laughs> All right. Of course, he was concerned about the people who were surrounding Michael Jackson when he died. I said you had some concerns about uh, the, the physicians and the people who were around him uh, the, during the last moments of his life. Yes, I am. I have a lot of concern. But... I was concerned they, <laughs> concerned they weren't beating Michael quite enough. I felt I was going to have to step in and finish the job myself. Did you hear that random drum beat in the background? Yeah, I just, <laughs> you know, uh, the idea, look, uh, the idea that that guy... 
who we all had forgotten about. And again, I, I keep going back to that. I thought he was dead. I figured Joe Jackson had just People shuffled like off. That live forever. But that's the thing, right? That's the deal is that they just stay alive on pure hate forever and a day. Meanwhile, you know, Jackson himself, who incidentally, this is not me saying this is Jackson himself repeatedly uh, has said publicly that his dad used to just pound on him mm. relentlessly. And I think probably the other kids as well. You know, so now the kids are all in line to, uh, uh, you know, to be adopted uh, by what's it by Joe and Catherine. But you can tell that everybody knows it's a raw deal because that's why they don't talk about Joe Jackson. They keep saying the grandmother will adopt the kids, although they're still, you know, they're still uh, together. So uh, that story about Jackson getting it on in some rat infested Vegas hotel room all dressed as a woman and hooking up with some construction worker. I keep going back to that because Sarah and I were talking about this. That is so, on the one hand, so utterly unsurprising, but on the other hand, just so surreal. Mm-hmm. Just don't be surprised if he's the mystery guest one morning. <laughs> yes, he was hooking up an Andy Dick. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley. So uh, Liza Minnelli is uh, checking in because we want to hear her boozy opinion about this whole thing. You know, all of us who knew him well really know what he was like. And I'm sure that now the accolades are going, and I'm sure when the autopsy comes, uh, all hell's going to break loose. So thank God we're celebrating him now. Yeah, so pardon me, Liza Minnelli, what do Mistress Beam and Daniels have to say about the situation? Please respond. I wonder what she knows that everybody else doesn't. She's like, when the autopsy comes, be ready. She knows all about hiding pills, I would imagine. And I think anything involving the surreptitious taking of massive amounts of drugs, she can speak to that pretty accurately. Well, let's celebrate the life of Billy Mays, the commercial spokesman who also uh, died over the weekend. Here's a compilation of his uh, best-loved commercials. Wow, a yard sale! All this furniture really needs is a little orange glow. (laughs) You don't need a cabinet full of... You don't need a cabinet full of cleaners. Do you want to do this? No, I mean, it'd be nice if you could, you know, show me how you did it on TV. You don't need a damn cabinet full of cleaners. (laughs) You me? Hi, Billy Mays here for OxyClean. <laughs> Use once. Oh. When your laundry detergent needs a little help, under the bed or under the sink, just squeeze and retrieve. <laughs> Enough to make 40 gallons. <laughs> yeah, I know I got it. I got it. I got it. Okay. I got it. What do you want? Excellent. He will be. Uh, he will be, be missed. That's the most random conglomeration of somebody. Hey, have you ever awesome. seen? Uh, and this, uh, I they're, shouldn't be putting flowers on his uh, star on the Walk of Fame this morning. Mm. I and see. Don't you feel like we're missing out on Billy Mays jokes somehow? Don't you feel like there's some, uh, you know, like with Ron Popeil. If Ron Popeil were to die, you would say like, you know, you know, he will be put inside. This is a terrible joke. This doesn't even really work. You'd say like he will be put inside a casket. You know, that allows him to be, I don't know, scrambled in the shell or something. It seems like there's a, there's there's like a pocket casket. Following the the rough landing. You know, but, but, you know, there would be like some sort of a, uh, you know, like he will be sealed inside a vacuum pouch, which will keep him fresh for all eternity. That's a better joke. Not the egg scrambling thing. That's just weird. Yeah. But but with Billy Mays, though, it's like, I don't even know. I have no idea what joke uh, you would even go to there. Oh, he's just likable. He just seemed like a good guy. I'm gonna, I am gonna miss him. You know, and what? But you know, but to your point about how Michael Jackson dead, Joe Jackson uh, alive at the age of 750. So Billy Mays dead, and then what? What's his name who beat on the beat on the hooker, uh, the Sham Wow guy? Mm-hmm. He's still alive, and apparently inheriting the crown. <laughs> he will outlive us all. Uh, all right. Well, in any event. Uh, as we sort of wrap this up, don't forget, coming up this Friday at 9 a.m., ladies and gentlemen, this Friday at 9 
AM, uh, part of KUFO's half-off program. You're going to be able to buy yourself tickets to the Bymart Salute to the Troops uh, 125 NASCAR race. That is a two-day admission uh, to the uh, event, which happens at PIR July 18th and 19th. Coming up the 18th and 19th of July at PIR, there's going to be the Bymart Salute to the Troops NASCAR race. It's a two-day admission, and if you go to KUFO.com this Friday at 9 a.m., you'll be able to get those for half of what it would normally cost you. Part of KUFO's half-off program. That is this Friday, 9 a.m., KUFO.com. At this juncture, though, if you are caller 10 at 503-228-4101, 503-228-4101, you'll be able to get yourself a pair of those uh, right now, uh, days before everybody else can do it. So that is uh, this Friday at 9 a.m. You can buy those. But if you are caller 10 right now at 503-228-4101, you'll get a pair of tickets to the Bymart Salute to the Troops NASCAR race, ladies and gentlemen. All right. We want to thank uh, CNN Radio correspondents Amanda Moyer and Jim Roop, as well as Christy Turnquist from The Oregonian. Join us tomorrow when our guests will include TMZ's Dax Holt, uh, as well as Don Taylor from Cinematical. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen. For Rock 101 KUFO in the newsroom, Tim Riley on the phones, the production assistant Greg Nibbler. At the front desk, the gatekeeper is Dave Zinn, the webmistress. Bridget from upstairs, CBS Radio Portland marketing guru Susan Don't F with Me Reynolds, executive producer, one Christopher J. Paddock. Coming up next, it is Smells Like the 90s with our good friend Buzz. My name is Rick Emerson. It is Monday, June 29th, 2009, and that is the frequency. Kenneth, as always, thank you for listening. See you all tomorrow. Be safe. Bye now. One big fiesta for illegal aliens and homosexuals. Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area. Your daily show prep is now concluded. Thank you for listening.